everyone welcome back to part two of jenny's story just to recap from where we left off very quickly jenny um you had hit your lowest point you attempted suicide and you fortunately survived and this was only a few years ago right yeah i'm gonna say i was 32 oh 31 32 yeah, yeah so it's just yeah okay and then and then what happened a couple of different things happened. <laughs> um, his uh, his wife got cancer, which was awful. Um, and mm. he, I like, so he tells me about it, and I'm thinking like, okay, this must be it. Like, you can't see me anymore. Right. You know, I was expecting that to happen again, right? Like, like the the other guy I thought he was gonna be like, I can't see you anymore. Instead, he was like, he's like, no, I want to find a way to like see you more. Oh. And I was like, what? No. <laughs> and, and then that part of me, the part of me that protects myself, right? snapped i yeah. i was like no i'm not do like i can't i yeah. can't do that i can't do that <laughs> like, mm -hmm. even if you think you can i can't mm -hmm. like i can't go down this path with you and yeah. i i just i cut it off i i just completely cut him off like i didn't ever speak to him again i mm -hmm. like i blocked his number i that was it mm -hmm. i just totally removed myself from his life mm -hmm. and it felt like a relief but I, and this, I think is, I'm not excusing this, but I think there is, uh, you know, just all of this trauma and pain and me, you know, my lack, like lack of self-worth and all of that. I ended up um, getting kind of involved with another person mm -hmm. at work who uh, worked with me on one of my projects and, um, very different dynamic he wasn't you know he wasn't like my boss mm -hmm. he wasn't anything like that but he was married or he is married for me it felt like this time i'm go i'm doing this like deliberately you know mm -hmm. like i i entered that situation with a kind of like i know that this is all i can get and i know that this person is going to like wants me and you know, he's, this will like satisfy whatever he wants. Mm. And, you know, like, I, I don't know, it was a weird way to. I see. Yeah, it's like, it's not about you. Yeah, no. But you were doing this to yourself, like, yes, to, like, it's like a negative spiral, like you're doing this to yourself, because you know, it's not good for me, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It was just part of my self destruction. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. So I, <laughs> I like, got kind of involved with this guy and so when I cut off the other guy I was like whatever I'm moving on mm -hmm. and like I immediately threw myself into this other situation <laughs> from a bad one to another bad one <laughs> yes and I honestly felt like I think I was okay a part of why I was okay with it was because I felt like I was in control mm -hmm. for once right like the first guy he lied to me mm -hmm. the second guy I felt like coerced me a little bit mm -hmm. But this time I was like, no, 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 I'm driving <laughs> and you're my bitch, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like we're both going down, we're going to spiral together, but you're taking this ride with me. I'm not going to ride. You're finding the control in yes. the, that dynamic. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I went into it and it's so <laughs> even saying that's so crazy, but, um, I, yeah, and I, I got involved with him. Um, 
and I think I was not expecting, of course, um, anything really serious to happen. Um, I didn't think it would last very long. Mm -hmm. uh, it happened like the fall before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And when we like really started like seriously seeing each other probably by the winter mm -hmm. before pandemic happened. Um, so yeah, at the end of 2019, I was kind of more seriously involved with this guy because you know, I started actually developing real feelings for him. Mm. Like, I started feeling actually attached to him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is weird and new. And also because like, um, I, I haven't mentioned this, but these other men have all been older mm -hmm. uh, than me by a lot. And he was not, this last guy was mm -hmm. not. He was just a few years older than me. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, I don't know, we just had a lot of, like similarities mm -hmm. he was he was just more human to me I guess you know he wasn't this like monster person yeah um and so yeah we actually started like bonding and spending real time together and like I was I was very open and vulnerable with him I told him about all of my shit um mm -hmm. including all of these men and you know he wasn't like loving and accepting of everything he was just kind of like what the fuck like <laughs> seriously these things happen to you like what the fuck is going on with your life um yeah. <laughs> but at the same time he was I think like wow you've survived a lot you know like yeah he I don't know there was like a kind of respect I guess that mm -hmm. was that felt new mm -hmm. and I was like oh this is I didn't know I could have this version yeah. and so I got pretty attached and he also got very attached I realized just psychoanalyzing him now but I think part of it is he needed camaraderie like he needed he needed friends he needed somebody to just be on his side you know mm -hmm. and I was that person um part of the reason I even got involved with him at all though initially was because he was a terrible asshole to me and my project <laughs> and I had to have words with him like multiple times about mm -hmm. his attitude and his tone towards me mm -hmm. and <clears throat> I think when I did that without yelling or screaming at, like I didn't get mad at him I mean I was upset but I wasn't like screaming at him mm -hmm. and I also like took the time to explain to him why his behavior was affecting me mm -hmm. I think like you know just treating him like an adult you know I was like I don't know why yeah. you're doing this and you know if you do have a problem with me or you have a problem with the way I'm doing things that's fine we can talk about that but like that is not an appropriate way to talk to me right. talk to anybody in a workplace like just don't do that you don't need to mm -hmm. and he saw me differently after that so then he started really like listening to me mm -hmm. and we became really partnered on the project mm -hmm. um you know we both started working even more effectively together you know and that's mm -hmm. there's something really satisfying in that yeah um so we spent a lot of time together just working so yeah so like we just were really bonding for a lot of different mm -hmm. reasons and then you know, we would like get drunk have <laughs> sex and then be like oh no that happened you know, and then off of my mind, I'd be like, well, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so his wife, I think, had suspicions and was like, you can't, you know, yeah. she had her suspicions and I thought he was going to end it, which would have sucked. But I was like, I get it. Like, I understand if, you know, obviously this is like these are under certain conditions. So like, who am right. I to? you know, have these expectations. So mm -hmm. I was like, I, I get it if you have to like end things, but then he didn't want to end things. And he'd be like, 
no, let's, let's do this. And like, we'll hang out this way. And like, he would find these really mm. obscure ways to spend time with me mm-hmm. without getting caught. And <laughs> again, you know, in my warped, twisted, you know, experience in my mind, I was like, wow, this person really wants to be with me. He yeah. wants to spend time with me. Um, so, you know, that just, I think made us want to be with each other even more. Yeah. And then the pandemic happened. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I was, I was very much like, yeah, I guess, I guess this is it. Like, I thought, how could he? Why would we carry on an affair <laughs> through the pandemic? Like, <laughs> that seems extremely impractical. So I was kind of preparing myself to be like, I guess this is gonna end, yeah. whatever. But, but then he didn't want to end it, so he oh. like found a way to like see me once a week. Wow, um, dedication. And we were so, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. He was so, like, fucking committed. Uh, <laughs> and, and we were also still working together. So I was talking to him all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, he would call me, like, all the time. Um, so I felt like, I mean, that really was, like, a relationship. It was, you know, yeah. illicit. But it was the first time I felt like I was another whole person mm-hmm. between the two of us and not just, like, a thing that is used yeah um felt really I just was totally in love with him was very much like this is why people want to be in relationships like Mm -hmm. that was the first time I had that feeling where Mm. I was like I get it I get why people miss this I get why people want to be partnered I get I get it I felt you know like he saw me Mm -hmm. and he probably felt like you saw him yeah exactly I saw him for all of who he was mm-hmm. um and I felt the same I felt like he saw all of me too yeah. um you know the really beautiful thing about him was that or about that relationship really was that I think we both needed each other mm-hmm. and in different ways but mm-hmm. we were able to really help each other in ways that I don't think either of us expected or mm-hmm. knew or mm-hmm. were even trying to get we just we just became those people for each other. Yeah. And you met him after you, you know, you were at your lowest point and you have attempted the suicide and it failed. And like after that, you met him. So that relationship like helped you pick yourself up again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think, he, I mean, he was the reason I finally went to therapy. Um, mm. He was very encouraging. Yeah. And he was like, like he, you know, I think he saw that I was being pretty self-destructive mm-hmm. and there were times, you know, because I was still pre-therapy and I was now involved with him and because of the pandemic, I was like alone, alone. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also, I think the summer I broke my ankle because I was drunk mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and, um, and I think he felt responsible for that to some degree. I didn't want to blame him, but I think there was a part of me that did blame him, you know, Mm -hmm. like that still felt like, yeah, shit, of course I'm the one that's going to (laughs) suffer. Like, of course my bone's the one that's going to fucking break. Okay. So, so you, that's when you decided to get therapy. So yes, I had broken my ankle (laughs) (laughs) that summer uh, in the pandemic, the first summer in the pandemic. And I also, I hated that job too. Like that was the other thing. The job was awful. Yeah. So 
the my, like my boss at the time she was terrible so I was like I don't know what I'm doing here like I was working again like 80 90 occasionally even 100 hours a week for the city and because it was the pandemic the city furloughed us oh and stuff. Mm-hmm. so like shit like that was happening really stressed out about all of that um you know I was seeing the guy less obviously and I you know I felt like a lot of my self-harm and like self-sabotage tendencies were like barely kept at bay like I was not really controlling them anymore and I felt yeah I felt that like spiral you know like I was totally losing control of everything and I was upset all the time like I was you know randomly crying I started like I didn't know how satisfying it is but like screaming into a pillow is great (laughs) (laughs) um you know and I would kind of again kind of like phase in and out and kind of catch myself in these moments of lucidity like oh my god what am I doing or like mm-hmm. Christ what why did I do that or you know I would find I didn't eat for like half a day or two days or like shit like that I just kept not yeah. taking care of myself mm-hmm. in these really severe ways and and then yeah he was clearly worried for me and wanted me to go um you know fa- like to get help and he was he wasn't like pressuring me but he was very much like maybe that's not so bad of an idea because like he mm-hmm. had done therapy for a while yeah. um and he was like maybe this is something you can consider and whatever so i looked into um better help because uh you know this the insurance that i had with the mm-hmm. city was not great it mm-hmm. turned out the <laughs> benefits all those perks that everyone tells you about were not good so um and I also I had tried therapy you know a handful of times in the past and like it was just so bad ineffective Mm. Mm. this time I was like I know I have to find something that is very accessible that won't take a lot of like effort on my end to Mm -hmm. get to somebody to get to talk to somebody like if I go through insurance that's going to take forever and you know I felt like your options in network are not going to necessarily be as good potentially mm-hmm. so I used better help and met my therapist my current therapist mm, okay I think because I was also like at my lowest point I was so vulnerable I felt so raw like I felt mm. like an open wound mm-hmm. at that point and I felt like if I'm gonna do this I have to just do all like I have to go in a hundred percent both mm-hmm. feet in because if this is not the time, mm-hmm. I can't go any lower. There can't be another point in my life where yeah. I, I, there's another low point. Like, I can't ever do this. Like, I can't get to this point again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in that state, I was like as open and honest as I could because it was just like this really long intake form that you fill out. And and I think that's why therapy has been working for me. Like, I know a lot of people support and advocate for therapy. And I, I too, tell everyone I can to like seek therapy. Um, whether good things or bad things are happening in your life, like it's just mm-hmm. good to talk to somebody about it. Um, yeah. But I think the reason it worked for me specifically was because I was as like it was about radical honesty, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I went into therapy that way, just like being as uh, honest with myself as possible. Yeah. And yeah, that first. I think that first year or so I was talking to her, I was just talking at her. (laughs) Like she barely got a few words in with Mm -hmm. me every session. I just, I talked to her for, you know, like 45 minutes a week. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I look past on it now, during the t- it was funny because I didn't realize like, that's what I needed. I just need somebody to hear mm-hmm. me, to hear my story. I needed yeah. to be able to tell my whole story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a narrative that has been denied to me by my family, by most other people. And I've kept my life a secret, you know, from other people. And mm-hmm. so I felt like this was the first time I was finally just, she's going to see all of it. Yeah. And, and that's her job. And there was something just so relieving about that, right? Like there was something yeah. really comforting and you know, like, this is her job. I'm paying her to do this. Yeah. She's going to sit here and just talk to like, listen to me talk at her. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> um, and there were times too, when I was like, I don't, I don't want to say I'm therapy. She doesn't do anything. All she does is just listen to me talk. And it's because like, I just had to get all this shit out, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was, um, really intense and it still is occasionally but you know the first I want to say year and a half or so every session I was like weeping Mm. and just like everything was so raw and Mm -hmm. I know a lot of it was my family a lot of it was about I mean of course all the things I've just been telling you about would stem from my family and you know it was it took my therapist pointing out to me how they were correlated or how they were related to each other, these different, what seemed to me like isolated events, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, oh, I have childhood trauma because that thing happened. But then I have adulthood trauma because Mm -hmm. of these things. And how long has it been? So I think I've been talking to her for about, I think three years now. Yeah. And uh, maybe three and a half. Um, The other thing was I did make a point to get a, a woman Mm-hmm. as a therapist because um, I think in the past I've had men male therapists and I, like they did not react well to most of the things I was telling you know like their reactions were often like oh, or like <laughs> one guy literally like was scribbling like in his notepad as I was telling him some stuff mm-hmm. and then he put his like he stopped writing put his notepad down and was like I don't think I can help you. Really? Yeah, I had one therapist say that to me. Oh, that's crushing. And I was like, what? Okay. And he was like, no, I'm sorry. I'm just not equipped to deal with what you're going through. Like, I can give you a referral. I can, you know, whatever. Mm. But like, I can't, I don't think I'm the one to be able to do this for you. And I was like, like, thank you for the candor, but also what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, exactly. Like, it's great that he's being honest and he that he knows he can't help you. But also, like, that feels so crushing for someone, you know, like, oh, I'm that messed up. I'm that fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And then I didn't go to therapy again for years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and then it was five years yeah. before I tried again. Yeah. You know? so. Okay. But so you, you made it a point to switch gears to to see a a woman instead of a male therapist yeah I also got to a point in my own life in my own education and my own you know awareness Mm -hmm. that like you know that women just are they tend to be better equipped to deal with these types (laughs) of issues um or like she would understand the nuances of my explanation right right like you understand yeah things because we're both Asian or you Mm -hmm. know like things like that so I felt like there was a part of me that was finally like, no, I can't talk to men about these very male, you know, uh, fo- focused issues because mm-hmm. they have their own lens that they're operating right. out of. And there's something very fundamentally, you know, I think opposite 
from where they're coming from. Yeah. The perception of my events, exactly. of my experience. Yeah. That I was like, they're not going to be able to come. They're not going to understand me. Yeah. You know, they're going to see it the way they see it. And also systemic. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, I think it's maybe more, ob- I don't know. To me, it's like the gender thing and the race thing are so obvious, but that's because, you know, I am the minority of both. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, no, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. When you see, when you are a white person reacting to a person of color's experience, like, yeah, you're, there's just going to be certain limitations. And it's the same thing for right. a male the male perception from a female's experience right. so yeah I felt like minimally I needed to get out of that I had to get rid of that obstacle mm-hmm. so I was like I should find somebody who's a woman and then I also sought somebody who was not white mm-hmm. um and 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 yeah no she's been she's been really great I, I really like her and I a couple of things that I noticed right away from even just the first few sessions and how relieved I felt mm-hmm. after those like they were horrible like they were extremely painful to go through but I found myself like feeling that weight finally come off my shoulders Mm. just little by little Mm -hmm. and that you know I felt this kind of like hollow this void in me that was just growing and growing this like Mm -hmm. black hole inside me that was getting to be uncontrollable Mm -hmm. and it felt like like tar was spreading inside me Mm. and talking to her finally it started to finally stop Mm. you know and then it started to get smaller and then suddenly void was gone you know like it it, it was very incremental but like all of that the way it started I was really shocked but again I think it was because I was extremely and I continue to be as honest as I can about Mm -hmm. my to myself and to her yeah and that I think what I really needed from anybody in my life that she showed up with, and also this, the guy that I had been seeing mm-hmm. was a kind of grace. She was just so gentle mm-hmm. with me. She saw me, she saw my wounded self, but she didn't take advantage of that. You know, right. she saw me wounded and was like, okay, I'm here. Yeah. It's okay. Like, I'm not gonna hurt you. Yeah. And you can tell me what you can tell me. And, you know, that was really that in and of itself was so healing. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I felt that when I was listening to your earlier episodes on your podcast, which mm-hmm. was, yeah, the healing process is so much of it is just getting stuff out from inside you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for a lot of us, that simply means being able to tell our story mm-hmm. and owning that narrative, you know, yeah. including the, the ugly parts of it. Like, yeah. And, for myself, in ter- like prior to doing this, going through the exercise of actually saying it all out loud to her, I think I was compartmentalizing so much of it within myself, mm-hmm. right? That I was like, oh, I am this person to this person. I am mm-hmm. this person to that person. I am this person to my family. And mm-hmm. I was trying to keep it all in these little sections. And I realized, like, that meant like I was only ever showing and being a small part of myself mm-hmm. to other people like I was never just all of myself to anybody yeah and and I know that doesn't it doesn't sound like it's harmful but it is yeah it is. Um, also because because of my warped view of myself and my perception and my self-worth like 
when I saw all of myself, I couldn't see the good parts. I could only mm-hmm. see all the things that I was hiding from everyone else, mm-hmm. you know? And it felt like, like my internal identity became that, became that tar, became this like poison that I had to like constantly tuck away. And I was like not able to control her anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I say all that to say like, <laughs> it's really important to just like let all of it out, which was great. Um, that was awesome. Yeah. yeah, and you're also like a part of you was ready to let, to talk about it and, and start letting things go. For sure. I think probably because with that guy, mm-hmm. you know, I had already kind of practiced a lot of that with him, you know, yeah. where he, I felt safe with him. And so I was open and vulnerable and he, you know, of course, I'm sure he had his own feelings and, you know, reactions, but at least around me, he was like, you know, gentle and caring and kind, yeah. um, and, you know, withhold, withheld judgment. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, oh my God, I can, I can just have that. Like I can tell people my shit and they don't have to judge me. Like, and I can pay somebody to do this <laughs> even better. Um, so yeah, I was able, and I, yeah, you're right. I think I was prepared because, you know, like he gave me a little bit of a taste of that. And I was yeah. like, okay, I can't have this. this is real. This is mm-hmm. tangible. This is, this is something I can actually achieve. This is yeah. attainable. So I can do this again. Yeah. And so how have things changed now since you've been doing therapy? It's, a lot of things have changed. It's I, it's surprising to me that so few years have passed because mm-hmm. I feel like I've already gone through just in the last few years, many versions of myself. Mm-hmm. And like, even now I'm like, yeah, by next month, I might again already be a <laughs> second version, third yeah. version of myself. Yeah. You're like slowly discovering yourself again. Right. For sure. And I feel like um, I can it's like I'm I'm like getting a second chance at living my whole life over mm-hmm. again. But this time, I'm not a vulnerable child. Mm-hmm. I do have control mm-hmm. and my own means and my own, you know, voice. Like I, I am able to have my independent and whole self. Mm-hmm. And I still get to explore and make decisions and, you know, discover paths for myself with such fewer risks <laughs> involved. <laughs> and a lot more knowledge and like wisdom about this world um I'm gonna continue to you know this is very growth mindset like this is just it's like I finally got a taste of just being my whole authentic self Mm -hmm. realizing how satisfying that is and also that that's really the only life that I've experienced that's worth living yeah so to me I'm like why would I ever stop? Like, of course, I'm going to keep changing. Of course, I'm going to keep growing. Of course, I'm going to keep evolving and making mistakes and, you know, learning from them. But like, that's the point. That's what the life is for. This is, you know, like, if I feel like I spent, you know, the last 30 plus years trying to live my life for other people, Mm -hmm. discovering that it was not making me happy. It was not making them happy. It didn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. I was just constantly you know, harming myself and putting myself in harm's way and, you know, feeling just smaller and smaller. And I felt like that feeling when you become invisible, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's awful. You know, you feel just so insignificant and it's so hard to have hope and to like want 
a life mm-hmm. when you're there. So to me, it's like the fact that I can look back on that part of myself and remember who I was then and know that I'm not her anymore is like a small miracle. Mm-hmm. Like that was just a few fucking years ago. Yeah. And I also, you know, for a long time, it's dark, but I was, you know, the t- <laughs> my like suicide attempts mm-hmm. were, I don't know. I felt really shitty about them. <laughs> Obviously like wanting to die is awful. Yeah. Failing to kill yourself also feels really stupid and awful. And so for a while it was just like something that I was kind of ashamed of or mm-hmm. like like ashamed for for the obvious reasons and also for this reason of like man I, I'm not even good at that was like mm-hmm. a really thought that I had but yeah in retrospect I think I think that that tar that like part of me that was always protecting myself mm-hmm. part of me that you know at the end of the day, when shit got really bad, would just cut and run. Mm-hmm. She's been protecting me all this time. Yeah, she's the one that she has the one. She's the one that has the will to live. You know, she's the one that I've been yeah. like, not letting out, not not being, but she's the one that's always been there for me. Yeah, and she's the one that's you know, I think in those suicide attempts, like there's a reason I didn't die, and I think it's because she just didn't let me fucking die. Mm-hmm. And so I feel, you know, again, through therapy, yeah, to feel grateful towards that part of myself mm-hmm. um, and to not hate it anymore, you know, and to embrace her and to be her, like, yeah. and to let her be, you know, there's no reason for me to hide her. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I'm grateful that you're still here too. So, cause, <laughs> cause we're friends now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So what else have you discovered about yourself and everything you've been through during this therapy sessions I realized that I had this lens right that everything was coming through filtered through and my lens was making me feel attacked all the time that Mm. everyone was like constantly trying to fucking get at me somehow right and I felt like and this is especially true of my family that Mm -hmm. I felt everything they said or did was somehow to like fuck with me Mm. everything very serious like very personally but then I realized one of the things I finally unlearned or something that's really changed and changed my perspective so much is that that lens is something I could drop Mm -hmm. and once I recognized what it was because I was like oh I'm distorting my perception is all distorted because Mm. of this lens that I'm filtering everything through Mm -hmm. so if I look at my my family's behavior towards me, not as an attack, but as just them, mm-hmm. you know, operating with whatever knowledge they have, mm-hmm. and I just happen to be on the receiving end of it, like, what does that look like? And, you know, when I was saying earlier, like, my, uh, I don't know, I, one of my sisters is like being like, oh, really? You got into grad school? <laughs> um, <laughs> at the time, I was, you know, obviously very offended by that. <laughs> But in retrospect, now, post-therapy, I can look at that and be like, you know, I think she did mean it as like, really? Like, in a happy way. I think she might have meant like, you know, not in a skeptical, like, oh, how, like, really? What did you do? Did you te- cheat? You know, it wasn't yeah. that. It was, it was like, like, oh, my God, that's amazing, kind of really. But 
I chose to interpret it one way, you know? Mm -hmm. And if I can choose to interpret it a different way, suddenly it's a whole different experience. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's the nice thing about cognitive behavioral therapy. Like, <laughs> you think about it differently, you feel differently about it. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, it was, that was a big one where I was able to, once I dropped that, that lens or once I chose to see things or at least consider things from a different lens, everything, you know, everything changed. Mm -hmm. My relationships to everybody changed. My relationship to myself changed. Um, and I, mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest like manifestation, like a really good example of this manifestation is that is at work. So when I started at the company where I met you, mm -hmm. I was, you know, I had gone and gone through, I want to say maybe a year of therapy, maybe less. Mm -hmm. um, and I had realized like, okay, if I go into my workplace, you know, having these certain expectations, wanting to impress these people or whatever, like all the things that most people go into a workplace with, right? Like all that baggage. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Or I'm going to try my best to not do that. I'm just going to treat every single person the same. <laughs> I'm just going to care about their title and I don't care what they do, what their job doesn't fucking matter. I'm just going to, yeah. everybody's the fucking same. And like, I'm not here to impress them there they don't need to impress me like I'm just mm -hmm. here to do my job if yeah. I do my job well then it shouldn't be a fucking problem and that's it mm -hmm. and that really changed <laughs> my, my relationship to work for sure but also how um just my relationship to people at work generally right like all of that has um it, it's been such a different experience working because of that and in a good way I think um because I you know, when I was working at the city, it took me a long time to finally quit, which again was encouraged by the guy I was seeing at the time. You know, he saw how miserable I was and he was like, you deserve better. Like you can make so much more money. Like you don't have to do this anymore. I finally learned that lesson. It took me a while. It took me many, many missed trials, but like I finally learned that fucking lesson. So when I started at this company, I didn't care mm -hmm. about my new boss. I mean, I, I like her or whatever, but like you know, I'm not trying to impress her. I'm not trying to impress anybody at this company. Like we're right. all just there to do our jobs. And yes. some people are really good at their jobs. Some people are not. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. And like, the point is to just, do we, can we get along? Are we aligned? Can we do this? Are we effective right. together? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like your new mindset towards work because before you were like pouring yourself, you know, into work. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> <laughs> In the past, in my past jobs, I was giving, you know, 150, 200% of my, yeah. you know, really overdoing it. Yeah. And work was your identity. It was everything to me. Yeah. I, I was like, if I'm not, because it was the one thing I was good at, you know, mm -hmm. in my mind, mm -hmm. it was the one thing I was like effective at. It was way, it was a way for me to be useful. It was a way for me oh. to have a living. So like it really to me was like, how could you, how could you do anything but, and but that was because I had no life, you know, <laughs> I didn't have you didn't have a life because you were working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like it's, a, it's a chicken egg situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I totally was, uh, you know, it, I had that mindset. So when I started this job, you're right. I, I came into it being like, no, no, no I'm not going to, instead of pouring myself into it and then seeing what happens, I'm going to see what happens first, mm. right? I'm going to see how things are here. And then determine how much of myself to pour into it. Mm -hmm. Like, 
and I, again, I think this was, this is one of those big things that happened. This is a big change for me from therapy, which was instead of me pouring everything first, right. me offering all of myself first, mm-hmm. just to like see the lay of the land. Mm-hmm. What am I offering myself to? Yeah. And is it worth offering myself to it? And mm-hmm. I think that's been, obviously it's much safer <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, like much more sustainable, uh, but also it's it's forcing me to actually do something that I never did before, which is consider like what I like, what yeah. I even want, or, yeah. you know, are these things good or bad for me? You know, like the thing, these questions I've never asked of myself before are now things that are like, I have to remind myself to ask those questions, but I, I do now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't know. The answer <laughs> is just, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's, yeah. And it's like discovering your boundaries too. And like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And realizing that, you know, again, after many, many attempts of getting love by giving all of myself to a thing or to a person, mm-hmm. realizing that that love was never going to be reciprocated, mm-hmm. you know, I realized like, why am I like, I'm losing on this deal, right? It's like, I'm handing out <laughs> bags of money to people and being like, what do you have to trade? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what is there to trade before I just fucking hand them go- like bags of money, you know? Like, exactly. <laughs> what am I doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had to figure that out, right? Like I had to get to a point where I could get to the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other um, really big thing was, you know, I was writing a lot. Mm-hmm. I had, I had always journaled a lot. Um, it's funny to hear uh, Isa talk about that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a common theme. Um, definitely, definitely. And it continues to be something that is very therapeutic for me. I do like writing. But um, my writing also changed because before it used to be, again, you know, I think I mentioned earlier, it was like all of this self-hate yeah. that was coming out of me. Mm-hmm. And instead now I was kind of compelled to write about my experiences, some of these experiences I was just talking about, but in a way that I feel, I think is more honest mm-hmm. to what happened, right? These events, not as me as a victim, Right. Or as just this person who is affected by these situations. But like, I had agency in these situations. Mm -hmm. I did make choices. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like I knew or I didn't feel like I had a choice, but I was making choices. We all do. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't make, you know, smart or healthy choices, but Mm -hmm. that's okay. Like, that's all it was. And I think that be able to you know, depict that or write that in a way that's like, this isn't to blame myself. This isn't to even blame others. This Mm -hmm. is just to let it out in this, just to show that there is this version of events that happened that I was involved in that, yes, it did harm me in different ways, but it was also a life. Mm -hmm. It was a life I lived and Mm -hmm. that's not nothing. Um, That's been nice because I haven't, I didn't write for a long time. Mm. Um, I think, you know, I got so discombobulated by you know, the, the yeah. depression and the trauma and the self-hate and whatever. So it's nice to like get to the other side and be like, oh, I actually want to write. I miss writing. Yeah. I want to write and the stuff I'm writing is not like this horrible, harrowing garbage shit anymore. <laughs> you're you're now writing from a from a healed of perspectives so when you write it's more healing than it is damaging yes yeah I think that's a that's a really good way of putting it yeah Yeah. I 
seeing myself more as a whole person and not just the thing, mm -hmm. you know. The helpful things through your healing process was, you know, therapy, finding a really great therapist, uh, journaling. Was there anything else that was contributed to your healing process? Um, yeah, another like thing that I think kind of happened organically. This wasn't necessarily a thing I was trying to, I was not seeking this, right? but um, like mentoring at work mm -hmm. um, has been pretty um, impactful. That's um, great. Yeah. So the company, you know, has a mentorship program. So I was like, sure, I'll sign up for and see. And like, I'm as somebody who has always wanted mentorship and like guidance mm. and I was like, oh my God, yeah, I would love to have somebody that I can just call upon and be like, help, <laughs> you know, like, fuck yeah, like other than my therapist, that'd be great. Yeah. So I was pretty excited about that. Um, and then it was through the program, but also like just people we were, I've been working with at work mm -hmm. who have not done project management in the past or like who are interested in doing it. Um, I've been just working with them to help them kind of I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, I, they already are very skillful and talented women, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, like very smart and very amazing. I think what I find satisfying, what I like about talking to them is like, I, I want to see the best and fullest versions of them. Mm -hmm. And I want to show them that version, mm -hmm. right? So that they can see for themselves and then they figure out how to get there. Yeah. And because that's all I see. Like, I just see just so much uh you know potential for yeah. sure but it's also like I see all of the ways that and maybe this is because I do this to myself or I used to do this to myself like I see all the ways that they stop themselves mm. from pursuing mm -hmm. or from accepting or from acknowledging their own amazing skills you know yeah they're so used to just like I am society and the workplace and you know all of these different factors telling us that we're not that good or that we're yeah. not good enough or yeah. that we're not all of the things we are but they are they're so fucking amazing and like yeah so I've just it's been nice to just sit there for an yeah. hour talking to somebody and being like no you can do this because yeah. you know how I know you can do this like I've seen you fucking do it that's why <laughs> I know you can do it like I'm not making this shit up like it's like you're just doubting yourself but I'm gonna tell you if you try you're gonna be fucking great so like just give it a shot yeah um I love that. So I've been really, I find that really satisfying. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, a decade ago where I thought that I had to just pour myself into anything and everything, I thought I had to give my, you know, 200% of myself. You know, I see that in the women that I talk to at work now, mostly POC, mostly mm -hmm. young. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. like, I've been there. I've been in your position. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, that's, that's a big thing that I keep telling them. Like, you don't, you don't have to, you don't know anybody's yeah. shit. Yeah. You just do whatever you can do, whatever <laughs> you're willing to do. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. That is more than enough. And I think it's helpful for someone to just be like, you know, you do you, you're doing just fine, just the way you are. And like, you're enough. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's what you're giving to the people you're mentoring and that guy you're seeing and and I maybe like you're innately good at it because weren't you like tutoring a bunch of people in college <laughs> too so it's like I think you that you have a very like like nurturing like uh, uplifting like want to teach people kind of aspect like just great wow thank you that's really kind yeah I, I yeah I guess so I I agree I think 
a lot of what I say to them is the stuff I wish I had, I had someone say to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's the stuff I tell myself now too, where I'm like, you know, shit will happen at work. There are situations that arise where I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen next. I'm not sure if I should do this or if I should do that. But like, I've gone through enough shit mm-hmm. in my own life that a couple of things that I remind myself of, which is a, this is not life or death. I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> B that like, we're all, nobody fucking knows what's going to happen next. So it's okay. Like, yeah. it's fine. It's, and because it's not life or death and because, you know, it's not to say that all the stakes are low, some stakes are high, but at the end of the day, what, in my experience, what I've learned is that it's what you try to do, right? It's mm-hmm. the effort that you put in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the the third thing I remind myself is like, I'm going to do my best with the knowledge I have at this time. Yeah. Uh, you know, hope that that's good enough mm-hmm. and it might not be, and that's okay because yeah. at least then I'll know that that was not the answer and I can move on to the next thing. <laughs> And, you know, like, it's just, that's how you learn. That's, you know, and I, I think failure was something I was so obsessed with for a long time because, I mean, you know, I'm an overachiever. So that concept of failure is so awful, right? It's so scary and uh, imposing. And And also it felt there's maybe it was like, if I failed, I'll be abandoned, you know, that. Absolutely. Yeah that fear that like, yeah, if I'm not good enough, if I'm not good at things, then who's gonna ever want me or love me or care for me. And yeah, so there was definitely, I carried that shit, you know, mm-hmm. just like a couple of years ago. And um, now when I think about it, I'm like, no, I, I have already failed so many times. And that's good because mm-hmm. I've learned a lot of lessons from mm-hmm. those failures. I've learned a lot about myself and a lot about life in general and, mm-hmm. and a lot about other people that mm-hmm. I think is part of why I'm very effective at my job is because I've been very observant my whole life and I mm-hmm. continue to be these soft skills you you know you understand these these environments that you're in you understand these relationships these you know the interrelational um you know dynamics that we have mm-hmm. and it doesn't always have to be the way that you thought it was, right? right. It doesn't always have to be this one version. Exactly. I'm like, I'm just there to tell you it can be something else if you if you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're young, if you're in a work environment where you can't really actually experiment and fail a little bit, mm-hmm. make mistakes and still learn from them, like that's just such a toxic environment, you know? <laughs> like that's not good for anyone at any point in their careers, but especially for people, I think, starting out, if you really believe that you can't fail Mm -hmm. then you will because if you're not failing then you're not trying to succeed is the way I see it Mm -hmm. and that's it's just what it takes like you just have to be able to you know get up again like fall get up again try Mm -hmm. fall (laughs) get up again (laughs) Try again a yeah. different way, you know, like you just keep going through and that's, that's it. That's life. That's, that's all of it. And I'm, you know, sometimes I'm like gobsmacked by that reality, <laughs> how simple that fact is, which is like, man, it took me this long and this much shit to finally figure out yeah. life is worth living because you're living. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. That's the point. And it sounds like a lot of things are like clicking for you now. Like the more you're processing, the more things are making sense for you and you feel more like empowered by the things that you do. 
yeah, for sure. I, um, I was really hung up on um, the last guy that I had been seeing. Mm. Uh, we ended things a while ago. Um, and it was really hard for a lot of different reasons, but, you know, I was, I think it was because of therapy, right? Like it was mm-hmm. like, I finally got to a point where I was like, I, I can't respect myself in a situation. And I think he too felt that where he was like, I know this is hurting you. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could hold on to this without hurting you, but I understand like, it's not, it's not either, or it's both things. Like if mm-hmm. I hold on to you, I will hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a, it took a several several attempts of me being like I think we have to end things mm-hmm. or to finally stop um, and that was just a year ago yeah. uh, that we finally like totally stopped talking to each other yeah and I thought you know I've, I don't know if I don't know if this compares to like a typical healthy or healthier <laughs> relationship but initially I was like okay it's over. I'm going to move on. Right. Like I was like optimistic or at least hopeful that things were going to improve and that like, I would get over this Mm -hmm. and whatever. Of course I was heartbroken and I missed him and I still miss him a lot, Mm -hmm. but, um, I felt like I knew this was for the best and whatever. So I was like, I'll move on. I did not move on. Like I fucking, (laughs) (laughs) um, it it took a while for your head and your heart to align. Right. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Um, and I, I was still very much like, God, I can't, the idea of, you know, being with somebody, like, I don't know if I can really do this. I don't think I can really be in a relationship. Um, you know, I, I started feeling that where I was like, what if he was, maybe he was the anomaly, but that was it. Maybe that was like my mm-hmm. one big great love of my life. And, and how lucky am I that I got to have that with him and yeah. that I got to that love and that joy and yeah um and you needed each other you know like you sometimes you meet people in certain times in your life and it it doesn't last but in that moment like that's what you both needed and then you both move on and yeah exactly like we were we were what we needed for each other Mm -hmm. and you know that was that was it but it was everything Mm -hmm. and um it was hard to let go of that yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I still, I mean, yeah, I'm getting like really emotional because, <laughs> um, you know, that was probably the only time I actually felt that, like, you know, when I told him I loved him. Yeah, like I felt it, mm-hmm. and it was real. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it was real for him too. But it's okay if it wasn't. You know, that's not the point. It was just like I feel very grateful that I did get to have that experience Mm -hmm. with him and that time with him yeah he was such a big turning point too you know you just need that one person to turn your life around sometimes yeah yeah um he was I think despite all the terrible men in my life I've had some really good ones and he's one of them yeah Um, and uh yeah I so I was not expecting to get over that. I guess I'm still not fully over that. Um, and so I got kind of into a low spot again. Uh, it wasn't as low, but I, mm-hmm. I think at the end of last year, I was feeling pretty garbage. <laughs> I don't know. I just started <laughs> spiraling again, you know, the 
feeling like the fuck am I doing with my life mm-hmm. like is this all there is is this all I'm is this all I get like mm. I do more shouldn't I have more <laughs> not like things but more meaning you know yeah. more fulfillment and satisfaction in, yeah. in this whole giant experiment that life is and so I was feeling pretty low and then uh, a funny thing happened which was um there was a a summit at work last year mm-hmm. and I was not looking forward to it because there's just so <laughs> much socializing it's a lot of just a lot of long meetings <laughs> just didn't feel very productive um or meaningful but yeah you know it's work uh they do that and um I was I was dreading it a lot but then at the end of that week I was exhausted but I realized that everyone I had interacted with and not just that week but you know it took me a minute to realize that everyone I had been interacting with for that past year or so um except for my family had always they're all just all kind and loving people that everyone is always been saying really kind things to me you know like now that I finally dropped that lens I was able to actually finally recognize and acknowledge that that you are loved (laughs) yeah that people do love and care about me yeah support me um Mm -hmm. you know that trip to NOLA was another big moment like that for me Mm -hmm. um yeah like you just stumbled across this finding (laughs) Yeah, no, it was, and I think when I finally recognized it for that, that feeling where I was like, oh my God, I didn't, how did I miss that? Um, I don't, how I could not have been cognizant of that these entire, you know, it was just like, God damn, why wasn't I paying attention? Um, yeah, without realizing you're like, oh, I'm surrounded by great people around me that care yeah, and love like, me. I have friends. <laughs> yeah, I have great friends and it just it took me that realization to like just suddenly I was out of that hole like Mm -hmm. that low feeling just went away and I woke up one day and I was like I think I should try dating oh like it was so bizarre (laughs) it came out of fucking nowhere (laughs) and it was I think it was that like I don't know why they're related but I guess it was that (laughs) it was this relief where I was like no you don't have to shit on yourself anymore why are you doing that no one's trying to shit on you like yeah this is all I don't know it's just like it's the Jenny that's been saving you your entire life is now like Jenny you are ready for dating (laughs) apparently yeah she was just like wake the fuck up go on a fucking date yeah (laughs) um so yeah my therapist has been obviously also really great because she was you know I think probably around that time she was asking me like hey what is your support network like who has been there for you and Mm -hmm. who are those people I mean it wasn't just last year. She was asking about that much earlier. And I, um, it took me a, a while to like finally give her an answer to that question. Yeah. Who is, who is your support system or has, or has been? Yeah, I think, um, my, so I have a really close friend here in New York. We met, um, 12 years ago now, Jesus. Oh. Um, yeah, I, w- I was volunteering at the Ali Fournay center mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just also happened to be uh, volunteering on the same night at the same location. So we like became friends and have stayed friends since. Aww. And now he's like my brother. 
Um, he's he's family like Mm -hmm. to me he's my family um and has been my support system for a long time um I do have a couple of friends scattered some grad school friends Mm -hmm. and my college friends Mm -hmm. um they're scattered along the eastern uh, seaboard here (laughs) um and I see them talk to them not very regularly but um I try to see them every few months or so Mm -hmm. um you know, I think they know a lot of shit, but not all of the shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not, you know, it's. I realized like part of me was like, oh my god, if I don't confess everything to them, like they're not going to know. But I know now that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need to confess every little thing. It's just mm-hmm. like the point is they're my friends and they love me. Yes, and I love them and I will support them. And when shit happens, they're going to be there for me. You know, yeah. and it's like the past stuff, all that tar, all that, mm-hmm. all that toxic poison that I've been you know wrapped up in it's okay I can just let it go and mm-hmm. just let it go right mm-hmm. like it can be in the past it doesn't have to be yes. something that I have to be like oh hey by the way you can you have to know this about me if you're going to become my friend you know like exactly I don't have to set that condition <laughs> on myself um so yeah I've, I have a lot of uh friends like that I have yeah. one friend out in Singapore mm-hmm. um she's she's really great and uh we met in grad school so mm-hmm. she's been it's been pretty cool we've been friends close since then um and then yeah when I started uh at this job mm-hmm. when I met you I think you and your crew yeah <laughs> existed uh like you know just welcomed me with open arms which yeah. was so amazing and you know I think I've mentioned this to you guys where I was like initially you know, just a little bit trepidatious because, you know, I don't, I don't know. I haven't had a lot of like successful female relationships, mm-hmm. friendships. And so, um, you know, I was trying to be careful about like how close we get, or at least how much I, I was revealing of myself, mm-hmm. but um, no, everyone was just so open and yeah. vulnerable and loving and caring. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, this was the thing I've been looking for. Like, this is what sisterhood looks like. What the fuck, man? You fit right in and we're just as dysfunctional as any other sisterhood, but we are like family, you know, <laughs> and we're all different. And yeah, I, I love that group so much. And it's so authentic. You know, everyone's just totally being their whole selves. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I love that. That's that lets me be my whole self. Yeah, You are lovable with or without your past you know like it does that doesn't define your ability to be loved yeah exactly and I I think I was using that as a condition for loving myself Mm -hmm. you know and now because of therapy I can recognize like that part of me that lived those things Mm -hmm. I am still that is still part of me of course but I am not only that person and you know it's it's hard to um I think the best way I can describe this feeling that I had this moment I had in therapy one of the like big moments I recall was Mm -hmm. when I that like that very angry repressed part of myself finally got to meet the other part of me and the other part of me was the 10 year old girl Mm -hmm. who needs to be protected and loved and cared for you know and that's why this like other self this resourceful person the person that was cutting and running from Mm -hmm. terrible situations the you know (laughs) that person yeah was always protecting her and so when I realized Mm. that I am both 
of those people and that I can be both mm-hmm. vulnerable and hurt and also be mm-hmm. the protector. Um, you know, I, yeah. and to be grateful for, for her, right. To have a part of me that has been protecting me for so long. Um, I think when I yeah. let them meet, when I finally let them confront each other, I thought it would be mm-hmm. bad. You know, I thought it would be like catastrophe, right? I thought it would like break me. But mm-hmm. I think because of therapy and because because of the way I, I got there, um, that feeling, mm-hmm. it felt like I was finally whole. And, and then I felt yeah. really, just really heartbroken. <laughs> For myself mm. um but it's like bittersweet you know it's like it didn't it wasn't a, a sad thing it was it was heartbreaking but it wasn't it wasn't in a bad way it was just this like um man it's I'm so glad it finally happened and it was relief mm. but you know heartbreaking that it had to happen at all you know mm-hmm. that I was so fractured and then that yeah you know it, it's it's gonna take this and the rest of my life to keep healing from that but but I finally Mm -hmm. felt it and it's um I think it was really uh like life-changing yeah that moment that having that like epiphany Mm -hmm. um and I felt I still feel that where you know I I can recognize in myself where I'm like, oh, I see. I'm like trying to pull away from the other part of me or there's this kind of mm-hmm. inner language that's happening, this inner dialogue that I'm like, oh, I okay, I'm maybe I shouldn't go down that path because like when you start getting in your head, you start arguing with yourself and doubting yourself and you start, you know, mm-hmm. really um, internalizing and like going inward in this really n- bad way it's such a mm-hmm. it's such a convenient path for me because it's always been there you know it's so well worn mm-hmm. that I'm like of course, I want to go down that path because like I know what that feels like there's something comforting in, in something that you know mm-hmm. but therapy has really helped me understand mm-hmm. like you don't have to go down that path just because it's there you can create a new one and the new one might be weirder or crazier right. or shittier but like you can still try a different thing you still have agency and um yeah. You know, that was really, I think that's what is very empowering for me still now. Um, like, continue to try to be like, yeah, this mm-hmm. is, sometimes it fucking sucks. But, like, so what? You move on. You wake up the next day. You try again. And that's the point. That's the mm-hmm. that's the nice part. That's the good part about, like, being alive is that you just get to keep trying. Yeah. I'm, like, inspired by, like, all these things that you're discovering about yourself. And, you know, I... I met you and I didn't know any of your background or anything that's happened to you, but um, it's just me and I, and I still loved you (laughs) even if I didn't know. And now that I know, I just have like this, this respect for you and like all that you've been through. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Ups and downs, right? Everything's going to be always an up and down and you're going to have to process every time you hit a down, um, 
but with everything that you're doing right now, like how do you feel where you are right now? I think, I mean, I feel so much better. I feel like actual happiness, you know, <laughs> like I don't have to make it up. Um, you know, I have, mm -hmm. I don't feel that guilt and shame anymore. You know, I've been able to shed a lot of that. Um, mm. And mm -hmm. I feel maybe not optimistic, but hopeful, you know, like hope was something that mm -hmm. I struggled with, you know, especially in my low points, I really didn't feel hope, but now I, mm -hmm. you know, just every time something doesn't go my way, I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that. Like, and yeah. Yeah. It's like not your fault. Yeah. You don't carry that with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and knowing that I can, I get to try again and wanting to do that with like integrity, I guess. And I think that was a, mm -hmm. another, um, I think when I think back on, you know, good 12, 15 years of my life, those experiences that I had because I was acting out of this, you know, desperation and, you know, this, um, from such a low point for myself where I felt like I just needed to become whatever I could mm -hmm. for other people. I lost sight of my own integrity, right. Or of my own mm -hmm. values. Mm -hmm. And that was, I think, part of what was directly affecting me too, that I was kind of going against what I do believe in. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really pay attention to what I, what I valued about myself, right? Mm. Like I wasn't, I wasn't valuing myself at all. Um, and that's, I think, part of what directly led to this, this disconnect between myself mm -hmm. right, and my life. Clearly, of course, you know, in the, I think in the situations I'm describing, it's really easy to call the guys and myself, the villains of, of these you know, situations. Um, and it's, I guess, true to some degree, it depends on, I guess, which perspective you take. But mm -hmm. I think we both, the guys and I, were coming from this very hurt place um, and not knowing how to find love for ourselves. And it didn't matter that it was going to cost something or hurt other people to kind of fill these voids that we experienced in our lives and mm -hmm. uh, part of me was like I'm just doing what I need to do to survive mm -hmm. even this you know this ugly behavior this stuff that I know is not you know acceptable to to most people I was still going through with it because I felt like that's what I had to do I felt like that mm -hmm. was all I could get you know mm -hmm. and so yeah, it was hard to feel guilty for doing that in those in the in that moment. But in retrospect, I think um, of course I feel horrible that I you know hurt these other women and and that ultimately you know I was hurting myself alongside that right and that mm -hmm. I was like no, nobody was doing anything that was good for anybody <laughs> um, and I didn't have integrity you know I couldn't look to myself in those moments and I think this going through therapy and processing all of these events and continuing to really think through my role and my my behavior in those events because again I had agency you know even if it felt I felt like I didn't have a choice at those moments but I did I had options I had definitely had the choice to not do what I did so when I think about that now I 
I think that's what helped me restore my integrity over time where because I can hold myself accountable and because I can be honest with what I know I did and I'm not proud of (laughs) most of that Uh, but I also can recognize you know it's it's the acceptance of the duality of these things that it is both you know what I needed or what I felt I needed to do at the time Mm -hmm. uh, to survive and to not you know unalive myself Uh, at the same time you know accepting now that I didn't actually need to do that and that it wasn't good for anyone and that I had a role and that I participated in that um so I I think with with that in mind now I am more mindful of like okay what is my behavior how does my behavior affect others Mm -hmm. of course it's hard to think of that especially I mean I can only speak to my experience of being an Asian woman I think Mm -hmm. it's uh, particularly challenging because I think a lot of our lives we're told we don't have agency right like we are not we're not empowered or Mm -hmm. that kind of voice to to have that self-trust and self-love so it's it's hard to imagine that anything I do does affect anybody else you know it feels like oh I'm just Mm -hmm. I'm just a nobody nothing anything I do doesn't matter to anybody else but that's not Mm -hmm. true like everything we do affects people around us Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. especially the people we are close to the people who are in your life you know regularly like everyone everyone does get affected um even if you don't think that there is anything to be affected by just the fact that you exist around these people, you have an impact on them and they have an impact on you. Mm-hmm. And I think I've become a lot more aware of that as mm-hmm. well. And, and so that makes me feel like the sense of responsibility, even like mm-hmm. a stronger sense of responsibility to be like, no, really, where where is the dignity in this? And like, am I... Am I being true to myself? Am I, you know, being mm. real and honest and true to other people? Am I trying to manipulate them or am I trying to get something out of this? And that's helped me a lot because I think mm. when you can hold yourself accountable in this way, what I like about this is that, mm-hmm. um, of course, it's hard to do. But the other side of it is that, like, it's so great to know that you have done everything you can possibly do to help somebody else or you know to at least cause the least harm in others you know again if with the caveat that you have to be very honest with yourself about what you're doing and why you're doing it Um, but I like that I like that I can always answer for my own behavior um, Mm -hmm. and that I I don't have to hide it and I don't have to do it you know there's nothing shameful about what I'm doing I find that to be really liberating and you know I'm choosing again because I have agency I'm choosing to you know go in this direction instead because I know what the other option has given me and I know it's it's not worthwhile all the the lying the manipulating the cheating like it just doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't ever add, add up to anything really And for you, like your past relationships, you didn't know what you wanted. You didn't know your self-worth. Right. And so you were just going along for the ride and doing what you thought the other person wanted of you. So it's almost like you were just like blindly. Yeah. Like going with it because you felt like that's what 
you deserved and this is how things are and so you're just gonna do it and yeah but then where you are right now is like you've like jumped out of that circle and then now you're looking at it and you're just like oh okay the reflection and the processing right because you've jumped out of that circle and now you can see how what was happening was like affecting other things but in the moment you you don't know thank you and yeah no that's really uh well said I that is how it felt Mm -hmm. I I think that um again when I was I mean I don't have to really the excuse of being very young and stupid but I was (laughs) young and stupid and yeah um yeah it felt like you know, I had lived my whole life following other mm-hmm. people's instruction. You know, yeah. I, I, I had faith in other people or I believed that other people were doing and saying these things because I thought they had my best interest at heart, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. it took me a while to realize like, <laughs> no, they don't actually give a fuck about you. They just are doing whatever they need to do. Yeah, they had their own selfish intent and you were just there um, to kind of feed into that. Yeah. In a way, like you didn't, know what a good relationship or healthy not good but healthy relationship look like right so from a really young age your idea of a relationship was x for example like xyz right and so you were operating in that circle so it's not that you were dumb I think you were just very innocent and just like we're surrounded by just really kind of disgusting men (laughs) shocker yeah (laughs) Um, yes. so. no, I, uh, I mean, thank you. That's very, I think, generous of you to say. I <laughs> didn't feel innocent, but I agree. I think I was naive for sure mm-hmm. about these things because again, I, I had this, I thought, you know, I thought the adults knew what they were doing, right? Like I had this. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, and especially these men in powerful, more powerful positions than me, mm-hmm. I was like, well, they must know they, you know, they have a life that looks good on the outside. Mm-hmm. So they don't know what they're doing. And sorry, this is like such a sidebar, but this reminds me when I watched Handmaid's Tale, um, it was so triggering. I, I don't know if yeah. I mentioned it, but it was so triggering because there were just these moments of both the the handmaids and the mm. wives and like all of these women were kind of navigating this really fucked up dynamic Yeah, yeah. Um, where I could resonate with both sides. And I was like, this is crazy. It, like my, it was, it, it was weird and it was like very heartbreaking, but also mm like it kind of like re-traumatized me and mm-hmm. I like, couldn't watch the show for a while and I had mm-hmm. to really like understand why I had I could even resonate you know with the women on the show mm-hmm. and then I you know, through therapy I was like oh yeah like that's there's a pretty direct correlation here with like why <laughs> but um anyway yeah it was I think there are these um uh, the way that life is depicted to us and mm-hmm. the put on us and then how we ultimately react to that is is really again where our agency comes from right that's why it's so powerful when we have these you know hero stories that it's like they're going against what they've been told to do their whole lives they're like no I I have a different choice I see that there I have another choice and I'm gonna go I'm gonna trust in myself instead of trusting in you and make a choice my like that is actually for my benefit yeah and there's something so special in like finally realizing that right like finally being like oh my gosh I have choices I I can put myself first like I can hold myself accountable for my actions like I can do all these things for myself and like there's something really 
special when that person feels that. I I totally agree. It's I want everyone to feel that. I want everyone, especially women, to like get to that point where they mm-hmm. they discover that they have always had the answers for themselves all along because. We often have, you know, and we did. And um, so I think that's where I'm at now, too, where I'm like, it's Mm -hmm. so obvious the way people treat me. Um, And like, I can see how the power dynamic is at play. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, no, you don't have the power in this situation. Like, I have the power in this situation (laughs) because I have the choice to just walk away or to say no or to be like, uh, you know, I don't I don't agree with the way you're treating me. Like, yeah, you know. And once you own that, once mm-hmm. you really um, embrace that reality, that fact, mm-hmm. it becomes so much easier to deal with these dicks because you're yeah. just like, oh, you're a dick, like, <laughs> fuck off. I don't care about you. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's why um, certain people gravitate towards the quote unquote broken, vulnerable people because they're easier, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a predator and you're trying to find your next victim, for example, you're not going to look for someone who has agency, who can say no, right? Those are the people like, okay, hard curve uh, for this person. And you find that like vulnerable person yeah. and then, and then you go for them. So it it's like, you've switched roles. <laughs> that is so true. And yeah, because yeah, there was, uh, I think I had mentioned one of the guys had said that you know, he could tell I was wounded and yeah. I was so like, yeah. what the fuck, you know, in that situation. Now I, I, you're right. Like that was exactly what he was picking up on that. I was yeah. going to just, you know, I was going to be passive around him yeah. because I figured like, oh, if I just defer to him, he'll figure it out and I don't have to think about this, Yeah, and, which is not true. Like it still affected me. It still hurt mm-hmm. me. It, still, you know, it was really bad for me. And, you know, it, it didn't, just because I had this trust in him mm-hmm. didn't mean that it was ever good for me. Um, yeah, yeah, it's complicated. And, you know, obviously, like, I'm not excusing anybody's actions because I'm not here to judge or anything. But it's harder to, like, try to understand, like, the different dynamics at play, right? It is more complicated than people realize. Um, and the important part is like how you come back from that and like the way you've turned yourself around and like stepped out of your little circle and like reflect and hold yourself accountable and like move forward with this new integrity uh, yeah. for yourself and like for others and all that kind of stuff is like so nice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, there's something very relieving. Yeah, very liberating for sure um, and empowering. And um, and I feel a lot of gratitude for, you know, you, for people like you, my friends. Um, and even the some of the terrible experiences I've had, I think maybe these were lessons, you know, I didn't have to learn them mm-hmm. that way maybe, but they were, they were there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I really, I have a mm-hmm. lot of, um, I think, empathy and compassion be- for those people too I think I think people have a everyone does everyone has a lot of different shit and they all have we all have our own warped perceptions and some people will mm. outgrow them and some people won't and I think I just have a lot of I don't know sympathy for the people who don't get to get to the other side 
there's something powerful in like the way you're saying these things. It's like you're not holding on to the anger or the resentment or anything like that, you know, and mm. there's something really powerful in that. Yeah, I it's useless. <laughs> you can hold on to the anger, but it's just gonna hurt you. Um I know, but there's people who live their entire I, yeah. lives holding on to it, you know, and it's and it's hard sometimes given the situation, it's like hard to let go, but you don't, but you haven't healed from it until you get to a point where you are right now. Yeah, yeah. I it's like do I want to burden myself with all this shit as I go down this journey? Like, mm-hmm. and again, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, for me, I, I agree. It is empowering. I'm glad that it's coming across as empowering because I feel that way. Cause it becomes, I guess the way that I've been able to process so much through therapy was because of that fact, which is that I have a choice is that I have agency and mm it is a bit about control, Mm -hmm. but it's about, it's not about controlling the specific content of those events, right? It's just about the ability to control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not the outcome, but like you going into a situation, right? Like it's, what are you choosing to get involved in? Yeah. The outcome is going to be whatever the outcome is, Mm because it's not that you can't control, but whether you put yourself in the situation or not is in your control. And I feel that way about Mm -hmm. the, emotions too where it's like yes of course I feel anger mm-hmm. and pain and you know sorrow I feel a lot of heartbreak and grief but mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I have a choice do I only live with and carry those or can I mm-hmm. you know can I also embrace the other side of it which is like yeah there is a lot to grieve but then there's all this stuff you Mm -hmm. did get on the other side of it right like that you did get to have the experience of loving somebody deeply and feeling very loved by them Mm -hmm. um you have the joy of being friends with amazing and lovely people Um, i have the joy of yeah also like yeah life is hard and shitty but like oh my god i'm still here like holy shit i somehow survived yeah And we're so glad you're here. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say so glad, but like- I'm so <laughs> glad you're still here, Jenny. And I mean it. I'm you're glad. <laughs> Thanks. So how is your relationship with your family now? <laughs> great question. Um, yeah. <laughs> my, you know, I, they don't know most of my life. I don't think they, they, they barely know anything actually to be honest they don't know about mm-hmm. these men um I even when I uh I don't know I think when I like ch- changed jobs I was just like after the fact I was like hey I'm gonna start this new job on this date or something you know like I was I just mm-hmm. don't give them details and they, they don't really ask though at this point I don't know if it's because of me or because of them but um it's tough I I've been better at drawing some boundaries with them with therapy which has been really helpful mm-hmm. and it's because you know I mentioned before I had this very warped lens of their behavior towards me and mm-hmm. now I I don't see it that way anymore but part of the reason I started therapy was because I you know I, I think I mentioned like I felt this this fracturing within myself but another big component was that I felt so distant from my family 
And I was like, mm -hmm. this is weird. Like people are supposed to have close relationships with their family. Like I don't have that with my family. Why is that? And I felt very like I was doing something wrong, right? Like I was like, how do I fix this? And that was a big mm -hmm. part of my therapy too and continues to be. Mm. Um, but what therapy has done over the last few years is helped me recognize like they did neglect me. They, mm -hmm. you know, it was not out of malice, but they did neglect me. And then as adults, they, they're not seeing me. They don't, you know, they are not trying to see me for who I am or, uh, you know, they're not trying to build a relationship with me as I am now. They still, you know, apply pressure to, for me to mm -hmm. do things the way they want me to do things. Right. Like my mom right. a couple months ago was like, she was at my place and saw some pictures of one of my friends with her kids. And she was like, is this your friend from college with kids? And I was like, yeah, she's got two girls now and whatever. And she was like, then what's wrong with you? Why can't you have, why you don't have a family? Why don't you have a husband? And I was like, of course she'll say that. Do you want me to actually tell you all the fucking reasons why mother? Like, do you yeah. want to go down? <laughs> like, how the fuck I am because of you? Like, <laughs> um, do you ever have those conversations with her though? Like know. open? No, this no? is the problem. Yeah, that was the thing that I realized again through therapy was like, we don't talk. We can't. Yeah. It's difficult. They don't talk to me. Yeah. They, yeah. you know, even as a child, when all this shit was happening, like I only found out when I was much older what went down with my family. And I still don't have all of the details because they won't fucking tell me. Wow. <laughs> um, and I, like, I, you know, at first I was like, oh, I have to do everything, you know, similar to work, right? Like I have to put everything I can to like mend this relationship. Mm -hmm. And then it was because of therapy that I was like, no, I don't have to do shit. Like I'm just living my life. I don't <laughs> owe them that. Like why yeah. do I have to put in the effort to make things better? Like if they want things to be mm -hmm. better, then they can make the effort. Cause I'm, I'm here. I'm all ears. I'm here to listen. I can talk to them all day long, but they don't want to hear what I have to say. They don't want to know me. They just yeah. want to know the version of me that they have in their heads, but I'm not, I'm not going to be her. I'm, I've never been her. And yeah, that means like, there's always going to be this barrier. And um, mm -hmm. my mom is a bit of a bully. I think it's because, you know, she's, you know, the whole idea of epigenetics, right? We, we all like inherit trauma from our past and intergenerational yeah. shit, right? So like my mom is coming from an impoverished family in Korea and like also the, you know, the middle daughter of a bunch of kids like she's got her own shit obviously and then she had three girls she was abused by my father's family i'm sure she was abused by other people so like mm. the way that she says things sometimes comes across as very like mean and cruel and i don't mm -hmm. necessarily think it's because she is a mean person i think it's just like she's she's a bit thorny um <laughs> Because that's what life has done to her, right? Like she's just yeah. developed this thick skin because of that. And then because she does that, my sisters and I kind of end up turning against each other occasionally. Like they will yeah. bully me. Sometimes we team up against one of one of the other. Like it's just <laughs> awful. And I, I'm still there. You know, like I'm still participating in it. You know, <laughs> I'm still in it sometimes. And I'm like, oh shit, no, don't do that. And yeah. so families are complicated. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think that's a good theme to have. <laughs> really yeah, but that's interesting though, right? Like our parents' generation, they, well, some heal, some don't, but you see a lot of that where like they haven't healed from whatever it is oh. that they've been through and then it passes down to us. But then here we are and we 
find ways to heal. Maybe not, you know, everyone's different, but it's like you, you stop the cycle exactly. because you chose to heal. Exactly. And yeah, yeah that's what my therapist uh, calls it. She's like, you're the disruptor. And I'm like, yeah, mm. you're the fucking disruptor. it's a great nickname um so yeah no I totally agree yeah we uh, you know I'm I'm trying to break the cycle because I'm like I don't want to carry this shit anymore man yeah none of us do it's it sucks yeah you want to live your life (laughs) just dead weight like fuck that yeah Um, but yeah so it's interesting because like so my mom is a bit of a bully like she'll just say things in a mean way um yeah and my sisters will occasionally they'll, they'll like the three of them will team up against me you know and like yeah. whoever my mom is targeting we all kind of like <laughs> all behind <laughs> and, oh gosh yeah so, um this was it was uh maybe last summer but they were at my place we were eating something mm-hmm. and she was just like laughing she was just pointing and laughing at me she's like you don't even know how to make a summer roll ha 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 and i was like <laughs> oh my god First of all, like, <laughs> at first I felt I had, you know, my instinct was to be like, you know, I, I like started curling myself up. Like I, my body was like actually turning small. And I was like, oh. you know, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't eat this. I don't know. I was like, I was demurring, you know, like I was like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm a piece of shit. Never mind. Like I shouldn't have food, you know, like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then I like something in me was like, no, 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 not okay. What the fuck? Yeah. I looked at her and I was like, why don't you actually show me how to do it right instead of mm-hmm. laughing at me, mother? Mm-hmm. And she was like, she was like, oh, well, I can show you if you want. And I was like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> You're so fucking good at it. You show me how to do it and I'll learn. Yeah. And she showed me. Oh, see? And then, and it was fine. And I was like, thank you. Great. And then I ate the summer roll that I fucking rolled. And then <laughs> it was like... <laughs> And then she has to get the last word. And she was like, oh, you're so sensitive. And I was like, Jesus Ugh. fucking Christ. <laughs> Can't hey, baby steps. Yes, baby baby steps. steps. So <laughs> I'm having moments like that where yeah. you know, she'll, it's not, you know, it's very small, very incremental. But I think, I think it's working only because they're so uncomfortable. I can see it, you know, like, yeah, because I'm not just, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not just being a pushover anymore. I'm not just right. taking it. I'm not there their fucking punching bag anymore i'm just like mm-hmm. hey not okay fuck off like yeah what the fuck yeah um and like i don't need you to be perfect just like stop fucking with me like that's all yeah. <laughs> just, why are yeah. you just, don't antagonize me it's nice as you're standing up for yourself I, yeah exactly jesus duh like, <laughs> thank you for saying that that was the, the i didn't even articulate it <laughs> yes i'm just standing up for myself that's really what yeah. i'm doing yeah. <laughs> i'm like fighting that's all it is um but it feels standing up to the bully that's what it feels like and I feel you know it feels it feels pathetic sometimes you know because I'm like they're just so small these moments (laughs) that I'm like all I could get out of it but yeah no it's still it's something it's not nothing and um it's funny I so Mother's Day is coming up right Um, oh yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) by the way Mother's Day is coming up so (laughs) um my uh my big sister typically is the one that's like you know we'll meet on this day at this time and that's what we all do we just show up and mm-hmm. so she was asking us uh you know if we had any preferences for food and whatever and we were like well you and mom are the moms so you pick whatever you want to eat and we'll go mm-hmm. this is this is gonna sound really stupid but I got a I got a big tattoo recently <laughs> on my arm yeah 
it's very visible. Is it your first tattoo? No, no. Okay. Okay. Um, but it was, I had these small tattoos on my forearm that I wanted covered up and I ended up getting just a massive tattoo on top of it. So my whole forearm is covered now. Nice. I have to see it. You have to send me a picture. I will. I will. Um, but obviously my mom and my sister, my big sister, my other mom, just, they hate that I get tattoos. Like they just, mm-hmm. every time I see a new one, they're like, what the fuck? Don't do that. What are you doing to yourself? Like, don't get another mm-hmm. one. And I'm like, don't, I'm not going to promise you that. Like, I'm going to keep getting yeah. tattoos. Clearly yeah. I'm not done with this. Like, I'm yes. <laughs> um, so I got this big one recently and I'm like, fuck, I'm going to go to mother's day. And this is not one that I can, I can hide it, but it's not easy to hide mm-hmm. or like a long sleeve or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there's still that part of me that, uh, you know, from my childhood that I'm like, oh no, what if I do something that they don't like, you know? Yeah. That like fear of abandonment or rejection is still there. And mm-hmm. the, the yelling, the, the shit that, the mean shit that they say, you know, like it gets mm-hmm. under my skin. So I'm like, oh my God, they're going to say something like they are. I know they're going to fucking flip out when they see this. Mm-hmm. So I've been str- struggling because part of me is like I'm a fucking adult it's my body what the fuck I should just be able to do whatever I want and like Uh whatever that's their problem if they can't deal with it you know like 80% of me is feeling that and then there's a 20% that's just like how should I hide this should I get makeup to hide this should I like wear a fucking like I was like should I get a wrist brace and be like I hurt my wrist you know like such extremes to like hide this from them ridiculous um yeah and so yeah, I'm still like struggling with that because, and and I've been thinking about this a lot, obviously, but mm-hmm. um, right now I'm thinking like, okay, I'm not trying to upset them. Like if they are upset, when they are upset, that's them doing it to themselves. Like I'm not yeah. to do anything to them, first of all. And the other thing is like, what am I even why do I need their approval? I've just I've been mm-hmm. I've been on my own for for forever I don't you know like what do I need from them at all yeah and like I would love for them to accept me as I am I would love them to just love me as I am but you know it seems like that's not gonna happen or or this is the best version I get you know Mm -hmm. and if that's the case then like me hemming and hawing over like ooh, should I like how should I hide this tattoo is like why am I doing that work why am I you know, taking on this burden for them. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because, you know, it's family. It's yeah. not, I think if it was anybody else, I wouldn't give a fuck, but <laughs> it's because of them that it's like a thing. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to my next therapist session. Cause I'm like, <laughs> what do you, you need to process, figure it out? <laughs> I do. And I think she's going to, I mean, the, one of the things that I really like about my therapist and she's been saying this to me for a long time which is like you don't owe them anything and in fact if you want to cut them out of your life and be done with it that would be okay like that's true she's reminded me of that so many times and she's like I, I'm not encouraging that you do that but if that's mm-hmm. where you land or if that's how you feel because like they are not giving you anything positive like you mm-hmm. are not gaining anything positive from these relationships with your family like it's okay, it's reasonable if you want to let that go. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's funny because you know I was saying earlier how I started therapy because I was like, oh my god, how do I fix this relationship with my family? And my therapist ultimately being like, 
you don't have to fix shit. Like that's them. <laughs> that's their fault. Like if they want to yeah. fix it, they're going to have to do the work. That's not your job. You're good. And yeah. I'm like, oh, that's a plot twist. <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> i yeah. have to do the work i'm not responsible <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> it's up to them to acknowledge or to recognize that it's my grace that they are <laughs> that they are still part of my life you know mm-hmm. that it's something i'm allowing them to do for me mm-hmm. and that i'm doing for them you know like yeah i don't need this relationship i have not needed these you know i, don't, I haven't had guidance from them i haven't asked them for help I haven't you know needed them for so long for most of my life that this is it's a courtesy (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like I think I don't know if it's an Asian family thing but I think Asian parents are kind of bullies yes um naturally like for me in my family I think my dad is is the bully yeah and if I was dealing with your tattoo thing like I might just make it easier on myself and cover it. Then I don't have to exactly. hit and think about it. That's the thing where I'm like, for convenience sake, I would yeah. cover it up. Just to- And there's nothing bad w- about that either. Like, it's not like they're winning or you're losing. It has nothing to do with that. It's just like, I choose to cover it up because I don't want to deal with the shit. So I'm just going to cover it up. That's how I, I think about it. <laughs> I, yes. I, I agree that there is a part of me that's like, it's not for them that I would cover it up. It would be because I don't want to deal with their bullshit. So, yeah, I think I understand the terms and conditions of my, my family, but I don't think they understand mine, right? Mm, yeah, I don't think they ever will. And I don't think you're right. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they ever will. And I think I had this fantasy for a long time. Mm-hmm. where I was like why don't they understand how could they not see why are they treating me like this and whatever and mm-hmm. my therapist was like she was like you know you, you me I continue to like do this thing where I expect people to be the best versions of themselves yeah and and she was like that's too much you're expecting too much <laughs> not, they haven't they haven't done the work they can't like they're just not there so yeah if they did the work, yeah, maybe they'd get there, but they're not there yeah. yet. And so you have to accept them as they are right now. Yeah. And it sucks because there's always a part of you that wants closure, right? Of course. But it's like accepting that you're never going to get that closure and you're never going to get that awareness and you have to be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, I think the way that my therapist said it to me helped a lot like framed it for me in a really mm-hmm. helpful way, which was like, you're not always going to, or rarely you're going to get the justice you mm. need from the people you deserve it from. Yeah. And exactly. that was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> that's why, I mean, and I think that's part of why it was easier for me to let go of my past. Cause I was like, the fuck am I even holding on to all of this for? Yeah. Am I going to go to go back to all these people and be like, you fucked me this way. You did this to me. You, owe me. Mm-hmm. you know, like, no, I'm not going to fucking, what am I like? Why do I need to do all this accounting? Like no one else <laughs> is doing it. No one fucking cares. No one cares that they owe me shit, you know? Yeah. Um, that was a big, it's interesting. Cause it's like a life lesson that I had, I had learned a long time ago where I was like, life mm-hmm. is not fair. Life has never been fair. And mm-hmm. It's not about being fair. The life, like life is unfair. That's it. That is just the way life is, but mm-hmm. there can be balance. If you see yeah. balance, you can find yeah. balance, but you have to, you know, balance is a little bit more subjective. 
you know, it was something that I was able to, that was a coping mechanism for me for a long time. And it still is, but I think um, it's been complemented by the therapy, which is helping me frame it as like, sure, life is not fair. Yes. You can seek balance and find balance. Mm -hmm. And also people are not one thing. Mm -hmm. Like, just like I have changed over the last three years and continue to change other people do too and can so Mm -hmm. you know if there is anything that I'm going to be hopeful for it's that yeah my family 99% chance will not be any different for the rest of their (laughs) life I you know like (laughs) I get that I can let go of that but there is always a chance that if they wanted to if it occurs to them if at some yeah. point something happens that makes them you know maybe consider otherwise that yeah they could be the people that I want them to be and I could have yeah. the kind of relationship I want with them but mm-hmm. um but you're not waiting but yeah exactly like it's not I'm yeah. not holding my breath for it anymore yeah um yeah. and like I said earlier it's like I imagine there's some version of my family and myself living a happy, Mm -hmm. fulfilling, loving life that I didn't experience. But, you know, there must be some version of us that, that figured it out, that got close. I had, you know, sisterly relationships with my sisters. Um, Yeah. And are you in touch with your dad or? I don't anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. He passed away a few years ago. Oh, sorry. Um, During the pandemic, actually. And I I did see him again after afterwards. I the first time mm-hmm. I saw him again was when I was seventeen, um, mm-hmm. and he had he had had kidney transplant because um, the bad kidneys come from my father's side of the family. Mm. Um, so he had a kidney transplant, and the hospital called my sister or something and was like, "Your father hasn't had any visitors." So my big sister was like, "He's still our father. We should go." Mm. So we went to see him at the hospital. He didn't recognize me, um, mm. but that was, uh, yeah, so that I saw him again then. And then when I was in college, uh, he started reaching out to me and like wanted to see me occasionally, like have dinner or whatever. So mm-hmm. I did that and I asked my sisters to join me, but they like still hated him and were like, mm. well, no. I think he also was borrowing money from them or something. And like, oh. he realized like he was just using them for money again. So they cut him off okay. um mm. and so yeah so he came to me but I was in college so I was like I don't have fucking money yeah <laughs> um, but then after college when I was in that abusive relationship and I was living out in Flushing he was also living out in Flushing I think my father oh, okay um mm-hmm. so I, I was actually I saw him a lot more during that time which was probably adding to like all of the the shit show that was um because mm. the guy I was seeing was like oh my god your father's a great man and I was like oh my god oh my god mm. The two mm. of them are fucking pair from hell. <laughs> so <laughs> um, my father, that time we spent together, he never apologized. He showed zero remorse. He never even mentioned what he had done to us as, as you know, when I was wow. a kid. He mm-hmm. spent all of that time that I knew him as an adult just complaining about his own family and how he felt that he was owed by them, that he that they fucked him, you know, that they had like taken things from him and that it was you know he was very like self-pitying and wow that's so interesting and like expected pity from from me and I was like (laughs) fucking get your shit together anyway so um 
he used to complain about his family all the time and I didn't like spending time with him but you know I felt like I was obligated to you know there's just filial piety and I thought I was doing the right thing and whatever Mm -hmm. Um, um my sister, when I was in the hospital, when I was in the ICU, apparently my father also got sick and my uncle, my father's brother also got sick. So my sister, who's a nurse now, she was, um, I think in school to be a nurse at the time. She had, and so she was like working at a hospital in New Jersey and like found out about my uncle mm-hmm. being in the hospital. And and then he passed away <laughs> from liver failure, like kidney oh, and liver failure. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and my father was like having a cardiac event and then I was in the hospitals too. So she was like, she flipped, like it's, it changed something in her. So she, from that point on, when I was in the ICU, she was like, family is so important. We have to stay oh. in touch with family. We have to be, we have to see each other. all the time. So like, that's when all of the family gatherings started happening very regularly, like every holiday, mm. every birthday, like we were all together all the time. So, and before that, I, I saw them maybe once every six months. Like, I, it was just like, <laughs> not a big deal. Like, maybe for Christmas and maybe for mom's birthday or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, suddenly, I was seeing a lot more of my family. And my sister also started getting back in touch with my father. Because, obviously, he was in this bad state. Um, mm-hmm. And so, when I got into grad school, she was like, let's go to, let's go have dinner with, with dad. And I was like. I'm good. Like, I, I don't need to see him anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> I tried, I, you know, I spent, I got, I tried to get to know him as an adult. I didn't hold it against him or whatever, but like, mm-hmm. I don't want to know this man. I don't like, and he clearly doesn't want to know me. All he does is just complain about his shit. And like, I don't yeah. care. Like, I don't know why I need that in my life. I don't fucking need it. Yeah. And she tricked me. Cause she, as I mentioned earlier, she'll, she'll be like, we're meeting here for a family dinner at this time, like show up. And so I showed up and he was there mm. and you know, it only after the, I was like, oh, of course this was, I was like, of course mom wouldn't come to this restaurant. Like that's, I should have, I should have known. Yeah. Um, I was really mad. I sat through the dinner, but I got out afterwards and um, this was like, one of the only times I like set a very clear boundary with with her and with my sister but I was like mm-hmm. if you ever trick me again into seeing him I will never mm-hmm. talk to you that's it mm-hmm. like, don't mm-hmm. ever do that I'm done mm-hmm. um so that was fun uh <laughs> <laughs> well at least you were very clear that's yeah important. I think like the the severity of that I think she understood that like that was fucked up that she did that so she couldn't she didn't argue she was just like okay yeah, yeah. um and so I, um, so I didn't see him for a while. She, or I think that was probably the last time I did see him actually. Um, mm-hmm. But prior to that, he had like gone to Korea and like left a bunch of his shit with me, including his car. Mm-hmm. Like not, I didn't want any of his shit. You know, I didn't definitely don't want a car in New York. Like I had to like keep moving that shit around. Eventually it got towed because like, well, a lot of other situations happened and like I couldn't move the car one night. And so it got towed. And then he comes back from Korea and he's like, where's my shit? And I was like, I don't fucking know. It's your car. Like, why is that my problem? Um, and another time, like he was hospitalized and he had no one to call. And so he ended up calling me and I called out of work to go pick him up out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, what do you want to, you want to like spend the rest of the day together? And I was like, nope, I, I got you out of the hospital. You seem lucid. Like, 
fine we're good mm-hmm. and I it was those things like I he was it was like you know your parents just take you for granted right like it's yeah. the kind of thing where you're just expecting me to just do things for him so my sister kept trying to make me see him after the fact and I was like I just don't I don't have this I don't have this need I don't need to rebuild yeah. this relationship with him yeah. I've tried he's a piece of shit I don't want anymore and I'm good like I have my closure yeah. and that's it like you go do whatever you want to do but like I don't need to be part of this mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it was yeah at the I want to say in the middle of 2020 I think he passed away and mm. He was like, or my sister, when he was in the hospital, she was trying to convince me to go see him. And I was like, she kept telling me that I was going to regret it. Uh, That, you know, that I I would regret not seeing him before he dies. But I was like, (laughs) I don't, you're not hearing me. Like, I don't need closure because I already have closure. Like him dying is not making a difference to me because like, Mm -hmm. to me, it's fine. Like, and it's yeah. too bad. I'm not saying like, yay. I'm just saying like, that's too bad that this man is dying, but he's just a fucking stranger dying. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Um, and she, I don't know. I like, she tried to guilt me a lot about that. Right. I, you know, luckily it was just one, it's a clear bright line with him for, you know, for, I guess, good reasons. And she yeah. couldn't really push it beyond that. Um, after he passed, they had him create cremated and mm-hmm. uh, he spread his ashes in the Hudson and it was wild because they yeah. were yeah because they were like saying how he was like a good father and how he was there for them and that they were they were gonna miss him that they were happy that you know he's not in pain anymore like just wild ass shit and I was standing <laughs> there like what the fuck like at the time I was livid I was like what the fuck are you talking you know, like I mean I didn't say that to them but like in, in my head I was just like what wild ass shit is going on here that is insane but now I will say <laughs> people grieve differently I yeah you know and they knew him as a parent longer than I did but they grew up with him when they were young like prior to me being yeah. born they were um you know they were seven and eight I think by the time I was born so yeah they had a childhood, like a, you know, seemingly happy childhood in Korea before I was born. Mm-hmm. And so they knew him as a parent then. Like they knew both of our parents as mm-hmm. happy, like parents then. I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical that they were actually ever very happy, but I think my sisters did have a different experience of both my parents yeah. than I ever yeah. did. Um, and so, you know, am I, like, yeah, maybe he was great at that time. And maybe that's the part that they missed. True. Maybe that's yeah. the part that they love about him. And it's like, that's great. I'm glad that you have that. But like, don't tell me that I'm going to miss him. I'm not going to fucking miss him. Yeah. Yeah. Some guy exactly. who like, yelled at me occasionally and then abandoned me. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so I know briefly um, you mentioned dating. I- Sorry, we're going to transition yeah. <laughs> from your father. Yeah. to to dating and so you woke up um randomly and decided you're like I'm gonna try dating like so what how has that been going for you it was really it was it's been interesting um because I think physically again this was like a well it took a long time for my like mind body connection to yeah like regain itself and it's mm-hmm. it's still like building it's not all there yeah but I guess I finally got to a point where I was like I didn't feel like a disgusting worthless piece of shit so <laughs> I, 
was, uh, yeah, I, I woke up with this, I don't know, like, yeah, if I want to date, I can date. Um, and yeah. it's been interesting. I, I'm on a couple of apps and I've met many weird people and <laughs> some, good, some just straight up straight fucking weird and some are, yeah. are just really odd and not very off-putting. I don't know what people, <laughs> yeah. um, that's been, I think uh, it's been good because I'm, it's forcing me to like socialize in a new mm -hmm. way again, which is helping me learn again about myself, right? Like mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. another aspect of myself that I'm discovering. And then I'm also approaching dating, not as like, I'm not seeking a relationship necessarily. I'm not, there's no agenda, right? There's no like mm -hmm. uh, outcome that I'm expecting. I'm just doing it because the point is to discover more about myself and what I want and what I like. Cause as I've told you now, <laughs> I've mm -hmm. not had very healthy relationships um, for most of my life. And I don't really know what I like. I still don't know what I like or mm -hmm. what I want or, um, you know, who I like. And because I've spent, you know, the majority of my life being on my own and being very independent, mm -hmm. um, it's really hard to imagine sharing my life with another person, mm -hmm. um, you know, to, because you have to compromise. Like I, I get that. Like I get, you know, when you want to share your life, like you get all the joys of what that means, but the cost is that you have to compromise. <laughs> you have to let go of <laughs> things. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, because I've been on my own and I, you know, I love being on my own. I'm solitude is, is amazing for me. And, you know, it occasionally can be, dark but and lonely but it's not to me it's always worth the fact knowing that I could at the end of the day come home to myself is is something that I I value a lot mm -hmm. so yeah I find myself on occasional like you know even just recently I was on a date where I was like man this guy looked really nice on his profile like he was hot he was good looking Mm -hmm. And I, and then I met him and I was like, oh, he's just very photogenic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's not like ugly or anything. Like, he looked very much like himself. He didn't lie on his profile, which I do appreciate because he's again, like, it's rare for some reason that these men don't lie about themselves. Um, mm -hmm. I think he was he did what he did like uh, provide a very honest depiction of himself on his profile. But mm -hmm. I met him and I was like, I am not attracted to you. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy was like, I, I could see it. He was like falling in love with me in front of me. Um, and, I, and this happens. And I don't mean, I know this is going to sound so fucking arrogant. I'm not saying that all men like met, fall in love with me. It's that mm -hmm. I think men do this in general or people do this in general where they meet. And this guy in particular, because he does have an outcome he wants. He wants to be in a long-term relationship he was imagining, right, what that long-term relationship mm. would look like with me. But mm. him imagining that meant that he was filling in blanks about me without actually knowing. Right. And instead of paying attention to me in that moment and who I mm. am, he was just filling his head with a fantasy. Yeah, like the idea of you. Yes, the idea of me, mm -hmm. of who he thinks I am without mm -hmm. knowing who I am. So I think, and he was like, he was, a little, he was a little bit arrogant. He was kind of full of himself. So he was like, oh yeah, everyone likes me. Like, I know you like me. And I was like, oh, I don't like you. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like he was so certain that I was gonna wow. like fall in love with him. And 
anyway, so yes, there are meaning like that, that I'm just like, the fuck is going on over here? Hello, I'm over here. And uh, yeah, I think the fun part is, is some of that, just like meeting weird ass people and just being like, mm-hmm. oh, people live their lives like this or like mm-hmm. exist this way. Like what? That's wild. <laughs> um, and understanding like what I am or not attracted to or what I yeah. like about people, what I don't like about people, you know, I, I obviously I'm matching with these people. So like, there's something I'm drawn to initially, but then when I meet them in person, I'm like, nope, not it. And <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to learn more about myself through this. Um, I think the other strange thing has been that I, um, I don't think that I do, I don't know. I don't think that I'm going to end up in like a typical, you know, long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think that that is what I really want at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. Maybe it's because of the kinds of, you know, situations I've been in that -hmm. I'm just very skeptical about monogamy. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also find that this is, I think this is just my perspective on life right now that there is so much variety and it's, I think, it's we're deluding ourselves if if we think we know what we not we want forever or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, you know, exactly what this person is or that we're not going to change from that eventually you know like people do even if they're not in therapy or seeking to change like people do change over time like mm-hmm. people make different choices over time that puts them in different places mm-hmm. and i think my perspective on dating is like, yeah, of course, everyone wants somebody to be in the foxhole with. Everyone wants the the person that's going to, you know, be their ride and die bitch. But like, <laughs> I get that. I know that. I want that too, of course. But like, I don't think it's going to be the romantic person who's going to be my ride or die bitch, you know? Mm-hmm. I think the romantic person is going to be like a good lay who has their own life and <laughs> who just like can be part of my life and I can be part of their life when it works out, but not all the time. And mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, I just see, I guess, the way people relate to each other, the kinds of relationships we have mm-hmm. are just very fluid in my mind. They're not, mm-hmm. um, like, I have a hard time just saying, like, it's going to be this one thing and that's, right. you know, like, it just seems kind of yeah. false to me. Um, yeah. Maybe right now you're just testing the waters. You're looking for more casual, yeah, independent kind of re- relationships. Yeah, and I, I, you know, before I was driven a lot by other people needing me, right? Like regardless mm-hmm. of what I needed, right? It was right. Like, oh, if if a guy wants me, if they need me, then I'll just fulfill that role. But now I can see that they want me to fulfill whatever role. But I'm like, oh, that's nice. That's that's your problem. That's not my problem. <laughs> you know, like I'm able to walk yeah. away from that. I can tell some of them think I'm like a cold ass bitch because I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> like I'm I'm so unimpressed. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm so unimpressed sometimes. <laughs> and like I don't mean it to be an asshole. It's just it's not always impressive the things that they yeah. think are so impressive. And yeah. and I think having been on my own has kind of put me in this place where uh I have a better I have more realistic expectations, I want to say, about Mm -hmm. what I'm doing going in. And also that I'm not going to just, you know, contort myself into whatever other people want me to be anymore. And that was, you know, that was like a big 
nice thing yeah. for me to learn about myself. Like, oh, I know how to say no. I can say no. I will say no. Yes. So fuck yes. Off. <laughs> it's, nice. it's like you're putting yourself first and that's nice. Yes. Again, Jeanette saying all the right things. Um, <laughs> articulating it so succinctly. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's right. I actually just making these choices based on my my pre preferences. That's it. Mm -hmm. No other preferences involved, just mine. Um, um, yeah. yeah, it feels nice. Does it feel better now dating? Yeah, absolutely. I think when I was younger and I tried to date when I was on OKCupid yeah. like a de decade ago, you know, yeah. I was doing what everyone else is doing that I see now, which is like they're putting the, this version of themselves on the profile, which is like false. You know, there's a lot of pretense. Mm. There's a lot of like, I love to travel or, uh, <laughs> you know, all the men, every guy. I have a dog. Yeah. yeah. Look at my puppy. Yeah. Um, so many guys on their profiles, like, I just want somebody who's smart and funny and empathetic, like all of these amazing qualities. And all I can think is like, are you embodying these <laughs> qualities? Is that what you're, are you looking for it because you yourself are these things? Or are you just saying you expect women to fulfill all of your needs? That's what you're saying. Um, and on the, on the women's profiles, it's like, look at all the ways I can fulfill your needs. I'm so smart and I'm amazing and I do sports and I like, I like TV and I do this. And it's like, holy shit. When you actually meet them, and you realize like they are not that person. Yeah. You know, it's it's irritating. So my yeah, my experience then was when I would meet these guys, I had these really high expectations. I totally went in with the idea, like I had a goal in mind, right? That I would end up in a relationship, that I would have a boyfriend as a result of this. Yeah. And you know, that desperation fucking shows, you know. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> and uh and I was very like you know, wearing your heart on your sleeve, very, um, like you say yes to everything, you know, you, you just, everything feels like it's meant to be falling in love, right? Mm -hmm. That it's all leading down this path of falling in love. And I, I had that kind of like Disney fantasy going on in my head for a while. I think when I was <laughs> in the past, you know, looking for yeah. that perfect person to like show up and rescue me. And I think I had that that whole like rescue me thing for a long time. Like that was something mm -hmm. I also had to learn to let go from therapy. Mm -hmm. That you know, which was why my therapist was like, "No, you've been saving yourself. I don't know why the fuck." Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, what? Cuts? Shit? Okay." <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So I realized, uh, and this time around, you know, not having those expectations. I'm not doing it with any end goal in mind other than to just learn more about myself. So every experience mm -hmm. is just like, huh, this is interesting. Or like, this is weird. Or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm like an observer in these yeah. experiences. You know, that's what it feels <laughs> like. I'm just going through these experiments where I'm like, huh, that's how some people behave. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's one way to do it. Um, <laughs> I like that. It's like very lighthearted. You know, you're not trying to put all your eggs in one basket every date you go on oh god no god no uh, um and I more than two or three of these people have also said to me that I don't look the way I look not huh? on my profile but I guess like you know the, my face is <laughs> the way that I look <laughs> like physically gives off this like I'm assuming this like goody two-shoes like very sheltered, innocent, you know, oh, type of I person. see. 
and then they actually meet me and I'm all like I see I'm pretty tatted up I'm like I'm not wearing makeup I'm you know Mm -hmm. showing up to these dates like in a you know jeans and t-shirt I'm not like dressing up for any of these people yeah so oh so it's like the personality they assumed by looking at your face is different yeah and so then they meet me and they're like oh my god you're not the person I thought you'd be and I'd be like okay well isn't the point of meeting to find out the person I am like, <laughs> like yeah and that's their fault they have a bias right <laughs> they formed an assumption of you before getting to know you that's their fault <laughs> exactly and it's like well if you set an expectation for yourself then yeah you're gonna I don't know if it's disappointing or not but like that's all in your head you know like I'm not yeah I'm just trying to be me like sure maybe I am also those things and I am also this version of me too like yeah and also like slightly racist because like Asian oh. women's stereotype <laughs> is exactly what they're assuming, right? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, the yellow fever, it's it's a lot. Oh, yeah. I cannot it's deal crazy. with that. Um, yeah. Especially I mean, in dating. And you, again, like you pick up on it pretty quickly, you know, like I've. Yeah, it's very telling. In seconds, you're like, ugh. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> um. So yeah, I've had a handful of people and one guy thought I was Japanese and like kept um, telling, like, I think he was also like a Japanophile. So he, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, um, (laughs) better than I do. And uh, I, you know, because I had studied in uh, in Tokyo for a semester, Mm -hmm. I can speak Japanese, not fluently anymore, but like, you know, I can speak it and I can understand it. So he, and he had like lived in Japan for a few years. So he started talking to me in Japanese. He kept being like, talk to me in Japanese, talk to me in Japanese. I was like, oh my God, you're fucking fetishizing. Hard pass, pass. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking gross. Um, Yeah, so I've, yeah, I'm having those kinds of experiences. But it's It's funny. I I can laugh about it. It's like, no, they're they're harmless. They're fun. They're, it's good to just, have the experience um yeah yeah and and you've come a long way so it's nice you know yes thank you um what's next for you um I think figuring out what ultimately what kind of relationship I want with my family I think is going to be you know this ongoing because I've tackled so many of other other problems I've had Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you know dealing I think uh with my therapist I didn't know that I had this diagnosis which is complex mm-hmm. PTSD from childhood trauma and mm-hmm. you know I, at first when I first learned that felt like oh my god you know that's a that's not there's no cure to that that's fucking that's, mm-hmm. that's a life thing that you deal with yeah. like you have to just processing for the rest of your life because of that yeah. and at first felt very like uh that's that's a burden right or like yet another Mm -hmm. thing I have to do but I think you know it's been a bit of time since then since I've learned it and I realize now that yes that is something I'm going to be processing for the rest of my life but I've already gone through a lot of healing and grieving for myself for a lot of different traumas Um, and I do think there is there is, there is like a bigger fish here, right? That I'm like kind of avoiding. I'm like, I'm dealing with all the smaller fish until like, <laughs> like and now it's like, I'm fast approaching like the point where there's no other fucking fish, fish to fry. This is it, this is mm-hmm. the big one. And I'm like right up against it now. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm hoping, like I'm, I'm 
somewhat optimistic because I feel like because I've processed a lot and because I've gotten to this point so far, you know, and I feel much happier and healthier now mm-hmm. than I have for a long time, if ever. Um, you know, there is a part of me that's like, yeah, I'm going to figure this out. This is going to be, you know, it's going to take a really long time to untangle all of this, but like eventually I'll get to a point where it's going to be enough and, and whatever relationship with my family that looks like will hopefully be a good one or at least Mm -hmm. a good enough one and not something that's going to continue to, you know, fly me off the handle (laughs) or like rile me (laughs) up or whatever. Um, so that is like for, you know, in therapy, that is a big thing. I think dating too is another kind of struggle. Um, I have wanted to like date women, but I'm still finding mm. that really challenging in its own ways. And I think, okay, um, you know, because of my complex relationships with the women in my family, uh, but also <laughs> that, uh, yeah, a lot of the women that I've like met online, are like we'll chat and it's like a good we'll have nice banter for a minute and then I'm like oh I shouldn't do this to you like and I'll end up unmatching them and it's because like they're they're so sure of themselves you know and like they're in a place in their lives where like Mm. they've probably had to go through some bit to like to be happy and comfortable I mean mean, not everyone I'm not saying everyone goes through trauma Mm -hmm. but like I think especially some of these Asian women I've seen online who are mm. you know, openly gay. I'm like, yeah, that could not have been easy. I just can't imagine, <laughs> you know, I, I know there are very open-minded Asian parents. I know you're all out there, but like <laughs> very rare. Yeah, so I think even though my interest will be peaked, I'm like, mm, but I'm not there. And I'm, I don't want to be the person that like forces you back into the closet because I'm I'm dealing with this and I don't know how to handle it. you know like I don't want to burden that, you know burden you're like in the questioning curious exploring sort of phase yeah there was a I did date a girl when I was in college mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it was great but it was short and she was she was like she was like I think you're more straight mm and not so like and she had gone through a lot of shit to come out like when she came out of her for her family and stuff so um she was like I think this is just gonna be painful if we keep going down this path because like, I don't think you're gonna be able to come out to your family like we can do this while you're in college but like what about after college and I was like mm-hmm. I don't I don't know you're right like I'm only doing this because I can hide it you know mm-hmm. so uh yeah I agree I mean I questioning but um, I do feel like there's this part of me that is like empty mm. because of it, because I'm like not letting myself explore, explore more mm-hmm. openly. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's because, yeah, a lot of that comes from my family, you know, like being like just culturally being um, vulnerable in that way. I think I'm still yeah, struggling with that. So trying to think more, uh, I mean, I have to process that with therapy, I guess. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess there's a lot of new territory for you to start exploring now, right? Like you still have to heal doing the dating stuff, but also like exploring, slowly exploring and pushing your boundaries a little bit. So that that's kind of yeah exciting in a way. It is. It is very exciting. Yeah. And it is like invigorating because I feel like, I think I mentioned earlier, I 
I feel like I get a whole second chance at life, like at my life. Mm -hmm. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, there was, when I was feeling really low, I felt like, God, what have I done in my past life that I deserve this, like all this pain and all this, Mm. right? Like I felt really, Mm -hmm. you know, it was low. And now I'm like, okay, well, whatever, whatever the reason I've gone through all of those experiences and I have learned Mm -hmm. a lot of really good lessons from these terrible things. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I still get to keep trying. I still get to keep going. So, you know, I think there's something very energizing in that, in Mm -hmm. realizing and accepting, right. That there's, there's more opportunity and that it's again, my choice. It's right. It's, it's up to me to like embrace that Mm -hmm. and to move forward Mm -hmm. with that. Or I don't. And if I like, what's the alternative, you know, that's, that's what it comes down to for, for me a lot of the time where I'm like, if the alternative is to do nothing or to just succumb or to just accept things as they are to settle, Mm -hmm. then doesn't, it feels like I'm just giving up. feels like I'm just giving Mm -hmm. up on myself. Right. I'm not really giving myself a shot and every, whatever we do, like, isn't, isn't it the best thing to give yourself the best chance like mm-hmm. it, no one else is gonna do that for you you know no one's yeah. gonna live that's your life point. for you no one's gonna mm-hmm. you know save you from yourself you just <laughs> that's it like if you don't give yourself the, those chances if you don't you know take those opportunities and do something with it mm-hmm. then that's that's your choice mm-hmm. and that's that's okay to not do anything but you know you also then have to accept the consequences of that and I think yeah. I'm the I'm a kind of person I've been for a long time, the kind of person who would rather regret trying and failing than not doing anything. And so mm-hmm. this feels like that where I'm like, okay, if I have a second shot, then I have to go, you know, both feet in, I have to do this. Like I have to really fucking try to live a happy life for myself. Cause I have mm-hmm. no one else to blame now. Mm-hmm. Deep. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about career wise? I don't know. I, I don't know career-wise what's going to happen because I do want to explore other options. I want to find out if maybe I'm good at other things or maybe there are other things I'm interested in that I never had a shot at, you know, and I would like to find out now rather than, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, wonder, <laughs> oh man, I should have done something. I didn't, you know, why didn't I try that? You know, like, yeah, I don't want to have that regret. Yeah. I mean, maybe you can like explore that like mentoring side of you, you know? Yeah, you're not the first person to say that. Um, a couple of people have said I should try uh, the coaching and the mentoring. And then uh, a handful of others said I should just do consultant work. I guess I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, I really do miss being a public servant. I have to say, I do want to go back to the public sector at some point. Mm-hmm. But I want to do it where they're not going to just give me a shit job and garbage pay so (laughs) I want to you know hopefully get to a point where I can be pretty um solvent on my end and like not have to worry about the income so much and I can just go be a public servant and you know yeah do that for a while but that's gonna take a minute you know I don't yeah I do I get paid well I'm not not gonna complain but uh I don't, mm-hmm. don't think I'm being compensated necessarily 
equally to <laughs> what I offer. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, especially when you do a comparative or, you know, a parody uh, analysis. Yeah. I don't think it's a parody <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, fair comp is hard to come by. For sure. And especially when it's cross-functional, you know, I've yeah. a lot of cross-functional responsibilities and a lot of people are wearing multiple hats. Like, yeah, it's going to mm-hmm. get complicated. But also, mm-hmm. what fucking company is going to be like, we don't pay fairly, come join us. You know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. They're all, of course, they're all going to be like, we're doing our best to pay fairly. But like with this company, I'm like, you're not trying your best. You're barely trying. So that's fair. <laughs> your shit together. Don't fucking gaslight me. I know you're not trying. And you don't expect me to say shit about it, but like, here I am going to say some shit about it. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm glad that I'm at a point in my life where I can have this radical honesty about myself and that, um, you know, I, I think being able to tell your story and Mm -hmm. own your narrative is so, so important for everyone. And yeah. I'm so glad that I got to a point and that I had a therapist who helped me really, you know, appreciate that, that I can do Mm -hmm. that, that I can own it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm glad that I can share. I'm happy to share. Uh, I know it's a lot and it's, there is a part of me that's like, and the off chance my family ever hears this, I wonder Mm -hmm. what they would say, but like, I don't think they're podcast listeners, not (laughs) podcast anyway, so even if they did listen, like it's your story. It's like you're telling your story. So that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I you're right. Um, I think that's still I mean, again, I'm still working through my family shit. So, you know, <laughs> the, the thing I, I wonder, but yeah, no, I think the it feels very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, this is just another way for me to express my, mm. you know, my ownership of my shit, right? Like just yeah. having ownership of my own life. And I have this sense of um, self that is much more mm. clear and yeah, someone that I do want to be, right? Like I'm, I'm yeah. just gonna, I'm gonna be the person I want to be. And mm-hmm. I get to also be the person I was, I get to have, I had the experiences I had, but I will also mm-hmm. have new experiences. And yeah. I think being able to accept and live with all of that nuance, right? That we are not just any one thing, but that we are all the things mm-hmm. that, you know, I can be, I can be that person with that past and also be the person I am now. Um, yeah. You know, there's something very uh, satisfying and I would say miraculous in being able to say that, uh, you know, I, I genuinely would have never, ever thought I would be this person. My former coworker, I know she's my friend, but she and I, we used to just sit there and vent for hours, drink and vent and just be angry mm-hmm. and, and just be so, uh, so upset and so unhappy. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm just not that person anymore. I don't, I've let that shit go. And she was like, I just mm-hmm. never thought that I would ever hear you say that you're happy. Like, I never thought mm-hmm. that would be possible. And I was like, that is really <laughs> fucking sad that like you thought I was never, I mean, I agreed with her though, because I didn't think I was going to, you know, it, she was just saying out loud what I also felt, which was, I never thought I would be on the other side of this. You know, when you're mm-hmm. in a deep, dark tunnel for a really long time, you stop looking for the light and you're like, yeah. I'm just walking in whatever direction. And one day 
I finally saw the light and one day I finally got to the other side of it and I'm like oh shit this is so much fucking easier now like yeah it's better it's easier it's lighter and I'm like I can just keep going I can just keep moving forward Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um I've been trying to encourage anyone around me to go to therapy and to or to continue therapy um because I, you know, genuinely, like a lot of different people, I think, have saved my life, but therapy definitely is like a very big, obvious one that, like, uh, I can say very clearly, definitely saved my life. I can hear how, like, how more grounded you are in yourself. Yeah. Thank you. I think, you know, I don't want to downplay at all how significant, you know, meeting you and meeting the others at, at this job yeah. was. Um, and also, you know, so being so honest and open with me helped me, you know, see through yeah. a lot of this bullshit. Because I think otherwise, on my own, I would have been like, this feels like bullshit. But like, I wouldn't know, <laughs> you know, I'm like, this, this is off. Something's not right here. And I'm so <laughs> glad that you guys were like, yep, it's all bullshit. It's yeah. <laughs> here's the fucking, here are the receipts. They're all here. And I was like, yes, that is what's happening. Okay. Um, it's good because I mean, honestly, women supporting women is is one of the most important things I mm-hmm. <laughs> I really value, and I um, yeah, I'm really grateful for that. So thank you. Oh no, thank you. And I'm you know I really I I like your podcast. I hope it's like a huge success. I hope <laughs> it's everything you want it to be. Thank you. At the end of the day, everyone just needs to be needs to feel connected, right? Like we need to feel connected in order to embrace our humanity and to have compassion for each other and yeah you don't feel connected if you lose sight of that's that that's a big one you mm-hmm. can't it's hard to have compassion it's hard to have empathy for for the other um yeah you don't really know what people are going through and maybe you'll never know um because it's like before this I didn't know any of the backstory that you had or um a lot of stuff that Isa had to go through as well yeah, yeah. um and it just like gives you a newfound like respect for that person and you realize like we all are going through our shit and we're all trying to figure this out right like how you were saying earlier like we're all just navigating the world in the way that we know and and it's not black and white like humans are not black and white you know so exactly like adding color to that yeah and and that nuance and then I think some of the best people I know like you guys I felt very welcomed um, with open arms. <laughs> a lot of hugging. <laughs> a lot of awkward hugging <laughs> for me. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, that was you know that's that's a big thing that I I learned in therapy. You know that what I really needed, what I wanted for all my life, that I do have, that I have had for a long time, is is that is deep real human connection and real Mm -hmm. love and real you know support um we are all kind of pieces of each other and some of us can come together and solve a really great puzzle and some of us don't fit well together and some of us are you know maybe the same puzzle just far away from each other you know and I like that it's uh I like the exploration part I like the finding Mm -hmm. part the journey Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually been a really great, great talk. So 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was very engaging. Good. I'm glad. Was it? How are my depictions? <laughs> like, thorough and uh, great. Yeah. <laughs>